Welcome to British Wrestling Spotlight on the Indie Corner Network. I'm Benno. And I'm Joe. And I'm JP. And today we'll be taking a look at what we've been watching since our last show. Before sharing a spotlight on our feature review, this month it's Fight Club Pro and their Elite Friday show uh, that we were all lucky enough to uh, attend this past weekend. Uh, guys, have you recovered from the live Fight Club Pro experience yet? Uh, it took a little while, <laughs> late nights, I'll say that. Uh, but yeah, reflect on it, it was a great, great weekend of wrestling. Great weekend. Oh, it was. It was absolutely brilliant. I felt completely wrecked. Me too. Wrecked for like two days after, and I didn't even have to wrestle, so. It was all <laughs> worth it, though. It was all worth Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I found yeah. myself in the, uh, pop world in, uh, Wolverhampton, which was a, an experience until about three in the morning. Uh, so yeah, I definitely saw the, the finest <laughs> things that, uh, that Wolves has got to offer. I mean, what did you make of it as a city? You've been before both of you, haven't you, to, to Fight Club Pro shows I've, in the past? I've been to the Fiction Warehouse. I've mm-hmm. arrived late for both shows I've been to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've left Wolverhampton as soon as those shows are finished. <laughs> so I've seen a car park, the Fiction, and a cheap takeaway that I got some food from after a show. Wow. Um, but a whole day in Wolves, God, that was a... <laughs> an experience <laughs> that's the thing yeah you've not lived mate until you've seen the pot world in wolves i went to the the, the Yatesy or Yatesy's or a lloyd's next door oh, found myself in subway at four in the morning oh my god it was a mess <laughs> well we'll I have to have seen that that's it yeah but it was an awesome awesome weekend of wrestling an absolutely packed weekend of wrestling so many shows going on in so many places um the big headline really is the elite uh, coming to England um, and also to Ireland and, and doing shows here and there that you you may have heard a little bit about. So to get into that and to, to look into some of those other shows that have happened in the, the last week or within the last month, JP, I'll let you go first and you can take the lead. Uh, what have you been watching this month? Well, this month, uh, watching was watching the debut of Lucha Forever mm. on Flow Slam. Um, there's going to be some talk about Flow Slam on this <laughs> Um, have to say, uh, I was weirdly in Birmingham that day, but I was honestly so knackered from the previous cup, uh, from still recovering from the two days of wrestling I'd been to before that, mm. that, and it was also sold out. It was like, no, I'm hanging around the bull ring instead. Um, so yeah, it was their debut show from the H suite in Edgbaston. Um, they had about 400 or so there. Uh, as far as the kind of, I, I saw it on the uh, VOD afterwards, which they got up very quickly, but not the OTT one, which mm. would have been great to see. I know, Benno, we were speaking about that. That was deeply annoying. That's a slagging off Flow Slam number one, if anyone is keeping count. Yeah. If anyone wants to keep a flip chart like the fan did with the Young Bucks at OTT, uh, there'll be plenty of Flow Slam talk today. It's, it's interesting. I mean, in terms of the initial thoughts... The production values were good mm. for a, for a first time British independent show. Really good production values. Um, it kind of had a good bit of momentum going in because I think as well it was obviously it was the final part of the entire Easter weekender in terms of in terms of a lot of the for a lot of the guys and on most of the shows. However, um, the commentators <laughs> and I'll start off before we even get to the wrestling. They made that show almost unwatchable at points. It was, it, it wound me up. It wound, uh, it wound my son up a little <laughs> bit. 
he just sort of ended up walking off because there were just, it was just, it was like this weird mix of cartoonish WWE heel face commentators, um, while commentating on a British indie show and then occasionally lapsing into kind of seriousness. And then they thought, Oh no, we've got to have a fight. So we're going to have a row the entire way through, uh, uh, uh TK Cooper and Tony Storm. It felt like completely forced kind of banter let's mm. say. and when they were trying to be serious because they've been so annoying previously i could just couldn't take them seriously personally yeah it's one of those things i mean brit resin commentary just doesn't seem i suppose indie wrestling and commentary doesn't seem to go together i mean i'd, I'd, I'd temper it by saying that i mean mark adams was the lead commentator uh i used to quite like his podcast but i mean it on this particular show, I don't think it was a good night for him. He seemed a, a, a little bit lost of points, and there just wasn't a, a good flow to the commentary. I thought. I mean, uh, Harvey no. Dale is a is it. He's, he's, it's it's funny that my first like uh, experience of Harvey Dale is I went to the Shane Douglas Q and A in Birkenhead of all places. It was in a random pub <laughs> with. Uh, I'm pretty sure I counted the attendance, and it was somewhere in the range of twenty one to twenty two. It was a fantastic evening. Uh, but he was there as the, as the promoter. Do, do you have that great photo? Oh yeah, I'll have to throw that up in the uh, the show notes somewhere. of Shane uh, sat in the corner of a pub in Birkenhead, telling stories about uh, Shawn Michaels and uh, Dick Flair and all great uh, ECW yarns. But while he was telling the stories, Harvey Dale's there because he's the promoter and he was kind of chiming in a little bit. And I, I was sitting there thinking, this guy is so fucking annoying. But then part of me was like, well, actually though, he, I know he works as a heel in promotions and I've seen him do real, he's, he's a manager in TNT who do shows up here and obviously he runs his own promotion as well. Um, and I kind of like him as a heel act. I think he's a, you know, he's a mouthy, uh, southerner, I suppose. And it, and it really works, but there was just something about this commentary duo, wasn't there, where it just, it didn't mm-hmm. gel. Um, there was just something off and, yeah, I think I I just wish Flow Slam offered a, a a no commentary option, but I think I'd say that about most indie groups. It didn't feel like it fit with the what the promotion was trying to achieve either, or like mm. the the whole the way this promotion's been marketed. They marketed themselves quite effectively before their first show. Mm. Um, when you're at shows, I've seen plenty of wrestlers wearing Lucha Forever merchandise. They've been putting the merchandise out online beforehand, so they've been creating this kind of Ryan and Will have been working the rest oh, of the yeah, boys, yeah. haven't they? They've been creating this kind of cool image for the promotion with all the merch before it. And then there was something about the commentary that just, <laughs> it just felt like a weird juxtaposition with what the promotion wanted to be. It yeah, just didn't feel they were like kind they... of hidden in the corner as well, weren't they, with Mark Adams obscured by a, a 90s looking Packard Bell uh, monitor. It was just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for, like you say, for all, I think the presentation is something we're really going to get into as a positive of Lucha Forever, but there was uh, definitely something lacking there, wasn't there? Absolutely. And I have to say, I'm kind of really, I, I was curious while watching the show, what would it be like if there was no commentary? Mm. Like, seriously, what would the issue be? Would, 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 how would I have felt about the show? Because I thought actually, and in going into the matches, in terms yeah. of the first, the first match on the card, there was a pre-match, um, on Facebook that I didn't see, which was Splits McPins and Elijah. Mm. Um, with a with a Elijah, with Elijah with Elijah going over, um, and they started off with the the Hope Wrestling King of Flight Championship, um, which I enjoyed um, for four guys who are relatively inexperienced. They put on a, a quite nice match. I wouldn't go overboard on it, although it was interesting to see Kelly Six, who me and Joe had seen at the cockpit um, as Josh Wall in a great. Um, 
sort of job tag team with Curtis Chapman getting destroyed yeah, by London riots. London riots. Yeah, that was the best, my favourite riots match ever. It was like Steiners mm. versus two jobbers on WCW Saturday. <laughs> and he's, and, and Kelly said he looked really good here. Sort of a slightly new look, um, certainly some new tights as well. Um, Connor Mills, they had as that guy coming in through the crowds. Um, no, no, and it was a fan, JP. What are you talking about? It was, it was a... No way. <laughs> the problem was, right, if he'd stayed in the same spot, waited for Kip Sabian to come all the way around to him, people would have bought it. Mm. Unless they'd seen him obviously working on the ring before the show, which is probably what the ring <laughs> was. But instead he followed him and you're like, oh, okay. So it wasn't like that kind of inherent drama. Not that I was expecting inherent drama from it. But, yeah, it's somewhat of an issue. Um but the match itself was actually, a, I thought, was a really good match. And the commentators at this point were just kind of calling it with um, one of them being sort of leaning more towards Kip Sabian, who looked, who looked very good. And I look forward to seeing on a, on kind of a few, a few more shows. Um, hopefully, it'd be nice to maybe see him in, I don't know, Attack, for example. Um, yeah, and then it went on to, and, and I have to say, I wasn't mad about this. Um, they had an angle before they were going to do Alex Windsor, Tony Storm, and then Alex Wins, uh, sorry, Tony Storm gets taken out by Dahlia Black, which was obviously revenge for the breaking her foot in progress. I kind of like the idea of working in the storyline from another company. Um, it worked nice, and obviously you had Hope wrestling um, the King of Flight Championship in the, in the opener, but it was kind of odd seeing an angle like this. It felt like it was yeah. being shot for a TV show. It, necessarily it's well, a little bit problematic as well isn't it jp you know when you say about but working in stories from other promotions it, I, i'm like you i like the idea but uh the problem is that people are working heel in one promotion facing another alliances are different in different promotions so it's a bit selective isn't it to pull over certain things but then let's say will osprey is a face on the show or you know, the, the biggest glaring one for me is CCK. Travis Banks is a member of that team elsewhere, but on this show he's a babyface. So I don't know, yeah. you can only do that so much, can't you? But I kind of agree with it. I think maybe part of my critique of the show overall, and I did really enjoy it as a show, was maybe it got a little bit overly creative. You know, you mentioned the opener, Kip Sabian coming out and cutting a promo, and he was, he's got a lot of poise and he's a great character, but it just went a little bit long as the, your first introduction to Lucha Forever. Um, and then cutting a, you know, doing a big, angle like this as well where what do, what do you think the reason was behind it so I'll, you know we had the tony storm getting taken out by dahlia black um do you think it was just the case that they wanted nixon Newell and alex windsor to have a match or what do you think the the idea was here i'm assuming it i'm assuming it's because it's well the her last say it was billed at the time they said it was her penultimate appearance mm. when she replaced tony storm and obviously this being given, she's worked sort of all those Midlands Inzies anyway. Yeah. She's going to be, you know, it gets that really good pop. And what I would say about that match was it was good. I felt the crowds kind of weren't into it as much as what I would kind of be expecting. They kind of picked up a bit more towards, towards the end. Um, there was a really sort of lovely moment afterwards, which again, didn't fit with the commentary at all. <laughs> where Nixon Newell gives a lovely speech and explains that Alex Windsor's like her best friend and Alex Windsor's crying. And it's a really nice moment, but then you've got these bloody commentators, <laughs> like, over the top, and you're like, oh, just shut up, lads. Don't get involved. Like, really. 
That's let, a, let the moment speak for itself. Let the moment speak for itself. And, and, and like Bennett, there's that, there's that common theme of where you'd see some good matches, um, which the next, I, what I would say, uh, I mean, in terms of the next match as well, seeing Amari in Jigsaw, and we'll talk about Amari a bit more later on. I like him. Mm. He, he's good. Now, this is about the th- sort of third, fourth time I've seen him now. And I'm thinking, you know, this, he really does have something about him. But they kept on trying to say he's 6'5", 6'6". He was 6'6", by the end of the match. He's not 6'6". Like, seriously. We're, we're, we're not dumb. But, it, yeah, that was the world they were living in. And so they had a very good match. And then um, I have to say I'm going to cede some ground to Joe here to, to let us know his thoughts on Sammy Callahan, will Ospreay. Oh, my God. Uh, car. Um, I thought this was... This is the first time I've never... This is the first time I remember... Where I've never enjoyed a Will Ospreay match. Oh, me. I think I've enjoyed every single Will Ospreay match I've ever seen on some level. God, I hated this match so much. <laughs> I don't know if both guys were just knackered from, like, I think they say Sammy Callahan, this was his 22nd match in 21 days or something. Oh, Fair play to him, he's been working his ass off. But this just felt all over the place. Like, I didn't feel like they worked for this crowd at all. It felt like they were sort of saying to each other, oh, let's do like a, cool dancer and we'll make it really unpredictable and we'll show that anything can happen in this promotion and we're not going to be overly serious at times or we can mess around and why don't we bring elements in from say the OTT match the other day with the dance off and the reference to the Uptown Funkers and it, I just didn't think this worked in this environment at all at this point on the card because it felt like this was the point in the card where you need that first really good match of a night between two Two guys that we know are really fucking good workers. Yeah. And I, for me, this just didn't connect on any level. You said about, better. you said about them being um, overly creative at times. Yeah. I wouldn't call it overly creative. I'd call it overly indulgent at times. I thought this was so self-indulgent. It was, oh, why don't we have a dance-off? That'll be fun. <laughs> I mean... The one the ring, that'll be fun. And why don't we get Shea Purser involved? And with the Purser stuff, I love Shea Purser. He's fucking brilliant his facial expressions are some of the best in wrestling he's got the best facials of any referee it's ever the seen. cheeks <laughs> shape her so it's the cheeks and it's his baby face as well I think yes. he's 17 isn't it he's still a young lad and usually when I fight the pro and attack when I've seen shape her get involved there's a framework and it works within that framework because there's a long term storyline and there's a goal to it whereas this just felt so random and it didn't feel like the crowd were ready for this. It didn't feel like this was what the crowd wanted from this match. It felt like, oh, well, it's Shay, and Shay does this number of promotions, so we'll just throw some of that in here, and we'll use that to our advantage, and we'll do something totally out there. And for me, this just didn't work. What I find it is, this kind of irony um, that's creeping into wrestling a lot more. We all know it's a construct. Fair enough. At times, it really works. We're probably going to talk about uh, the OTT stuff on the Elite later, and where it did work. But I think you've got to do this in small doses, really small doses. Now, there were things with this irony that they tried to fit into the match as well. So they tried to fit in the Shibata Akada uh, uh, no-sell Rainmaker spot from their epic match a couple of weeks ago. And in the, they, they didn't earn that spot. They didn't earn the use of that great spot, a spot that we saw two weeks ago in what is my match of the year. I thought it was better than the Omega Akada match, personally. And I marked out big time when he no-sold that Rainmaker. I was watching it with my brother, and we both lost our shit at that moment in time. Here, 
they've reduced that moment to absolutely nothing. And I guarantee you, if that spot hadn't happened in that match two weeks ago, they wouldn't have used it. What purpose did it serve using it in this match? Again, when I'm talking about it being overly indulgent, that is the point of it being overly indulgent. We've got this post-ironic match with this completely stupid spot that they haven't earned the use of in that match, and they throw it away completely, and when they have the referee do a dive over the top rope. What have they achieved there? I quite liked it. (laughs) 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 Um, I don't know how to follow that, Joe. Um, (laughs) Great run. It's a top run. I can't disagree with a lot of what you're saying there. I think I, I was kind of feeling the same way as you. I was watching it follow. I was watching this live, following along on Twitter, and everyone seemed to be really getting into the match. And then, yeah, the the, the moment comes where uh, Sammy Callahan reveals the uh, that Osprey's got his Uptown Funkers trunks underneath. And yeah, I, I mean, I saw a few people with the same reaction that you know this was building really well to this really good match, and it did seem like it didn't fit. I mean. I would maybe say, in, in defence of the promotion, somewhat. I think they are still finding out who they are. Um, completely agree with that. I think yeah. they're still trying to work out the balance of what this promotion is going to be. I mean, it's no secret that Osprey himself and Ryan Smile are pretty much the driving force behind this promotion. So, is it is it this kind of attack light kind of vibe they're going for? Um, so I'm saying, you know, I suppose they've got to, you've got to feel your audience and work out, you know, which way you're going to go. But I couldn't disagree too much. I think, yeah, it, it definitely, uh, didn't seem to fit in the moment. And I think, I think part of it, Joe, though, as well, is you're probably the same as me. We, we've both watched so much wrestling this past weekend, watched so much wrestling over WrestleMania weekend. And these spots, these dancing spots, like you say, we've, we've both seen, uh, occasions where they've really, really worked, but then, there's only so many times you can see the same thing, isn't there? And you can see Sammy Callahan doing his, his same old spots on, on every show. Maybe that's a, a problem with maybe watching too much wrestling. There being too much good wrestling out there to watch. I also think it works a lot better in a multi-man environment as well. Whereas a singles match, ah, does it work so well? I don't know. Mm. Um, I, I, I can understand what they're sort of trying to achieve. Mm. Um, I suppose Melt has been talking about it as well, hasn't he? About the future of wrestling being... Uh, sort of uh, based around this kind of ironic style. We saw it especially mm. in that 10-man at WrestleCon the WrestleMania weekend, sure. which I loved. But it felt like that belonged in that spot on that long card at that point in the card. It felt like it naturally... It's, it's the break match. Yeah. Yeah, but the break match, but a great break match as well. Yeah. And it get, brings about a different reaction from the crowd. Yeah. Whereas I just didn't get the impression this is what the crowd wanted at this point in time. And I don't think they got the reaction necessarily that they were looking to get. And I think what angered me more was the way that they just threw away certain great spots. Like I said, the Shibata, Ricardo, mm. Noto, the Rainmaker and stuff. So, yeah, didn't work for me. I, I, I honestly found myself haunted by um, by Bruno Mars. Yeah, that's that's Who's the other... named after Bruno Sammartino. Yes, this, I, I did. I don't know where I read that. I'm not, I did, I'm not sure myself. Melter, probably it was Melter. Um, so yeah, I, I I have to say, I mean, I, I can't disagree with with what you guys were saying. Is like at this point in the show, I wanted to see something great, and I watched this and I just thought, hmm, I've seen this done over the past weekend but just done better by other people and it's like it it like it just didn't seem to fit at all it didn't feel organic I, however the other matches it felt I, organic. I understand the need that they would need a break mm. but 
then you're kind of booking yourself into a corner then. Yeah. By the match in the first place. Why not do something where it involves, you know, you get another couple of people involved and then you can kind of get away with that in the tag. And then they can still do enough kind of craziness, have enough kind of different break points for, for each of the guys. So I would have preferred that. Um, I th- we did. I was just going to say, JP, I, was, I mean, the one thing I would say, the live crowds, I mean, although it, it was a bit, kind of uh, out of nowhere the spot once it did eventually devolve into the conga line and circling the ring and leading into the intermission i think i do think the people in the crowd did get into it and i've seen a, a lot of live reports of people who, who had an absolutely great time but yeah i, I wouldn't say it particularly uh crossed over into the vod unfortunately we just are old and jaded yeah maybe our, our problem um and at that point then you obviously had the intermission we didn't get to see pete dunn tyler bait um and then afterwards, we it set itself up for the um, Trios Championship qualifier, which is another one. I have to say, I've once having just seen the match we'd seen before, to then go into this, and effectively you have still a lot of comedy going on in this match. I kind of felt like, oh God, can we have a can we just have a match, a straight match? I, I, at that point, I was I was longing for, it. and it was a it was a long it's a long interval as well. I'm for it, what was it on oh, the yeah. on the line? Yeah, like, I was got, I was watching live. I mean, I had a rant all ready to go about this intermission, but I just think I can't I can't follow Joe now. Um, <laughs> um, the intermission was probably my biggest bugbear. I kind of want I want to again stress that overall I enjoyed the presentation. Overall, it's a promotion just starting out still finding their feet still working out who they are but yeah that intermission was almost unexcusable i was watching live and it was almost an hour um watching a live ipay-per-view of either staring at a screen with the logo on that's and they had background music but they had three different songs playing at the same time um then once that stopped we got a i think it was nwa fight nation match which i again chris ridgeway yeah i mean that's a match maybe i'd go and watch but i wasn't really uh, while I'm watching the live iPay-per-view, I wasn't really too interested in watching it. But again, that's what promotions do in intermissions. It makes sense. Yeah. But we had that match. Then there was more of the logo, and it, it literally almost lasted an hour. And I just don't think you can do that on um, on internet pay-per-view. I mean, they came back, and the other big thing was that they, they started promoting that you could get live uh, photos in ring with, uh, with Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate, who, for all yeah. we knew, watching the live iPay-per-view, they weren't on the show. And then, and two, I can't buy a photo with them, so it just doesn't kind of fit with the presentation. I mean, I think they even broadcast the raffle as well, didn't they? Uh, which is uh, maybe is. a first for, for Flow Slam. That's just, I mean, it's a Brit Res staple, and obviously you need it for the live experience, but. Oh, yeah. Um, I think, and, and I, I know part of with, it is that. With, um, poor timekeeping, as I think we all experienced this week oh with Brit Oh, God, Bristol. yeah. And I think part of it is that they had Pete Dunne and Tyler Bates, and obviously you can't show them on Flow Slam, so they needed to put the match somewhere, but it was a bit of a stretch expecting people on a bank holiday Monday sitting there watching it live to have to sit through yeah. an hour of, of waiting. But yeah, I, th- I think the long wait maybe hurt the, uh, the, the first match a little bit, but I, I quite enjoyed it. You know, the Trios Championship qualifier, I love Chief Def, Chief uh, Deputy yeah. Dunne as a team with CCK. I mean, talk about uh, two yes. or three acts that should be really be getting booked all around the country, shouldn't they? It, these guys, I think, are the most underrated. Three of the most underrated guys rest of the British Indies at the moment. I think CCK up this weekend are going to get a lot more attention on them, yeah. get booked a lot more places. Dan is a guy, especially with this gimmick, that 
I hope starts picking up a few more bookings in some of the bigger independent independent promotions, a Red Pro, a Progress. I think he'd be great in if they were willing to uh, go ahead with him. To be honest, he's got the plan to have. Um, I, I think he's he's got. I won't say too much on here, but he's got an interesting T-shirt idea. If you can remember that oh, the conversation yeah, we yeah, had, yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how how that one comes across. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of of Damien Dunn as well, and I love the fact that CCK embrace the art of tag team wrestling. They do like in terms of the double team moves, whether or not, and it's Chris Brooks, I have to say as a tag team wrestler with either um, kid Lycos or with Travis Banks, it seems to be excellent. Um, And so it was, it was very enjoyable. I think I kind of knew what was going to go on with this match. So for me, I kind of thought I, I was what I was longing for a kind of serious match. And then after that, we end up with Tony Storm, TK Cooper, because Dahlia Black can't wrestle. So TK Cooper comes out. Now, TK Cooper, the undisputed is, king of women's wrestling, I'll have you know. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. He's he's glorious. <laughs> absolutely glorious. I mean, I, I just really hope that as soon as they get back, the um British Embassy in New Zealand, give them a visa straight, make sure they sign the visa ASAP to come straight back over. Um, it was a, it was, it was a good match. It was a, it was a, it was a fun match again, but it wasn't what I was looking for at that point, which I suppose is the common theme for the entire show is, is this, I, I would like to see some really good matches now. And you sort of build yourself using that word lucha and, and you've got to be kind of careful for what you're going to get from it. Um, I was actually going to bring that up. Why is this promotion called Lucha Forever? That's what I haven't been able to work out. What? What? Everything else is trademark. Yeah, I kind of thought they were going to go the Lucha Britannia route with you know, that, that'd have like Osprey under a mask as what was his name? Is it Neo Britannica or something like that? I thought yes. that was what we were going to get these these wrestlers under alternate gimmicks. But yeah, that's what I think that the, the company have said that they see Lucha as a as a style and as a, as many things rather than just you know guys in masks wrestling. Um, so I suppose that's a little bit of a, a confusion with the marketing as well. I mean, I thought this match very much reminded me of the other Lucha promotion, Lucha Underground. Uh, yes. The male on female stuff is very much uh, their forte as well, isn't it? A lot um, less. It's a lot more violent. In yeah, Lucha. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, in this case, it's kind of it's all. It's got like Candice LeRae kind of. Yeah, it's kind of forgivable when it's TK Cooper, isn't it? He's almost he's so right. non-threatening with his, you know, showing off of Samoan heritage, hitting people's elbows and. Kind of, you know, he's he's showing us and selling so much um, for yeah. for the female wrestler, whoever he's in the ring with. That it, in a way, it kind of works, uh, although it isn't in some ways still problematic. But yeah, certainly not as a, as extreme as they get in Lucha Underground. So maybe again, that's part of uh, the brand that they're going to be going for. Obviously, in the the match we just talked about, the uh, the six man match that involved uh, a female competitor as well that had uh, B Priestley in it too. So. Yeah, uh, maybe that's uh, the direction they're going. They're seeing what Lucha Underground are doing and thinking this is something that could work for us. Maybe it'll get us a, a few YouTube hits as, uh, as some promotions have found with the uh, the intergender stuff. But as I mean, as as you know, when you've had conver- when um, to to bring up the the show you brought your girlfriends to, <laughs> you kind of do the intergender stuff at your peril. Yeah, really. it could be. It's I think that's something that. If it's, it can work, 
I mean, and the best example I can think of, of it working recently was the Ricochet, Tessa Blanchard, oh, Osprey, Big Priestley, yeah. and what culture? Um, it wasn't what culture, yeah, wasn't it? it was yeah. Culture. And I thought that was great. Um, but for this, I mean, and and for this actually was was a good match. I mean, I enjoyed it, but then I've, I've got sort of like you, I'm a big TK Cooper fan. Mm. Lucha Underground actually. Sorry, Lucha Underground, Lucha Forever uh-huh. actually set up a tournament, didn't they? Which was going to be some sort of intergender tournament. Was that? Was that? Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, like- but Mister and Misses, where it would be uh, male and female partners, uh, i.e., real life couples working as tag teams. Uh, I think the problem in indie wrestling, or well, in wrestling as a whole, or just in life as a whole, is those couples don't always stay together, which is problematic. And the, 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 it's kind of gone a bit quiet on that idea. What was because- that? Based on the two guys who are promoting this having girlfriends or female wrestlers, basically. Yeah. yeah, that seems to be the direction they were going. But yeah, apart from the initial announcement, uh, that's kind of gone a little bit quiet. So again, we talked about the the creative side of uh, of Lucha Forever. Sometimes maybe they overreach a little bit. I'm not quite sure on that being the uh, the greatest of ideas either. But I would say, in terms of the redemption. For the for the show for me was the main event, mm. which was absolute, which I thought was absolutely fantastic, and featured two guys who, I I mean, they're not underrated in the sense that people know about them. I mean, I think the situation in terms of Shane Strickland and Travis Banks now have kind of really managed to um, sort of really show themselves over the last month how good they are. I think they were arguably. Aside from the Bucks and Omega, the two stars of the entire week. Yeah, absolutely. Honest. I think Strickland got really overlooked um, for the role he played in the matchup in Rev Pro, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Um, lots of praise for Leo Rush in that match against the Elite, but Strickland, I thought, was absolutely awesome for yeah. the whole match. And in the Triple Threat Fight Club Pro as well, he was yeah. great against Callahan and Leo Rush again. Here. In the match with Ryan Smile against uh, CCK at the cockpit, yeah, like before that, at the start of the month, he's looked awesome recently. Like really, really good in both tag matches, in singles matches. I think I don't understand. I suppose he's got the Lucha Underground contract, doesn't he? Mm. But he's someone who I think deserves a lot more talk. Um, Surprising mm. New Japan. I suppose their junior division, you could argue, is a bit. Uh, overload at the moment but yeah he's really got something he's really sort of impressed me in the last few months or so and Travis Travis Banks has really cemented himself this year this year he's just gone from strength to strength and he's improved yeah. he was good anyway but he's improved so 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 much he's, he's now a he's now a headliner in this country I, th- I think he's going to win the super strong style 16 I know, good I, show, yeah. I know it sounds pretty early doors, barring injury. I, th- I think they could do a lot worse than go with him. Mm. He seems to be able to work with anyone. I mean, that's the, the sort of beauty of him. I mean, we've seen him in various situations, whether, again, like Shane Strickland, whether it's tag, whether it's singles. I, I just thought this was an absolutely incredible match. And for me, I was thinking it probably wasn't my favourite match of the weekend, but it certainly might well have been the best. Yeah. In terms of- pure match 
I think I, yeah, I really enjoyed this match as a, like I say, it was a perfect headline match. I think part, again, with it being a new promotion, it's part of me as a, as a Fight Club pro fan, I kind of look at the, the long, uh, road that Travis Banks had to travel to get to the yeah. world title, whereas here on the first show, he wins the belt. <laughs> uh, so you yeah. kind of lose something a little bit there, but yeah, no, he's the, he's the ideal, uh, choice, I think, right now. He's the man of the moment, isn't he? Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed the match. I thought there was a couple of uh, rough moments uh, in the match where there was a weird spot, wasn't there, where I think there was supposed to be a, a ref bump um, and Travis Banks kind of came off the top rope and just uh, landed. Uh, he was going for that big kick that he goes for and just there was nobody there. Um, and they, they ended up... Re- miscommunication, wasn't there? Yeah, I, I mean... But, the match, I think. Nice bit of rough to the match. Once. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, you can kind of take that sometimes, can't you? A bit, a bit of rougher in with your, your perfectly uh, sequenced moves, but no, it was awesome. I mean, Travis Banks is just, as a, as a babyface wrestler, his offense is just perfect. He's got those Daniel Bryan buzzcore kicks, uh, just perfectly down, hasn't he? His cannonball in the corner always looks really good and everything he does looks good. And like you mentioned there, Shane Strickland is just somebody who's, uh, who's just really strong and, and started to come more into the forefront in the last year. I mean, one thing I was going to say about this match, I mean, as good as it was, what did you think about the, uh, the, the, the again, it was, uh, I'll use that phrase again, very creative with using the the ref bump um, at a key point in the match. I mean, what did you make of it? I thought it was a little bit uh, Los Ingobernables. Yeah. Mm. I don't think either ref bump was needed, and you've got a face versus that was face it. match as well. So, like, for me, the booking of it considering neither of the guys were heel in the mm. match, kind of made it feel, uh, and neither guy sort of went or wrestled heelish at certain points of it. So I just thought, uh, again, I've used the term indulgent. It's, again, it just felt indulgent, and it was like, oh, we could throw a ref bump in there to create mm. more drama. Yeah, I didn't think moments like that really worked within the match, if I'm honest. Well, mm. It took away a little bit from it. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be very interesting going forward at the end of this show about, whether or not, it's, it's just going to be a case of telling them to calm down. And that goes across the board, whether it's for the commentators, whether it's for the booking. It's just like, just remember to put on a wrestling show. And I think the, is it the next show they've got? Is that, is that the Cardiff, is they in Cardiff next and then Southampton? Uh, I think they've got a few shows before that. Mm. Uh, I don't know if it's Cardiff next. We're going to the Southampton show, which is on the 18th of May. Are they not back in Birmingham before then? They're on May, May 25th. Okay. They announced they're going to be in Birmingham. And I know they've got Matt Riddle for that show. Riddle was on the Southampton show as well. Mm. I think he's doing a few shows. You're off to the Liverpool show, right, Ben? Yeah, that's the plan. Um, that's the thing about this promotion, though, isn't it? They're running absolutely everywhere. Um, yeah. So it's easy to get out and see them. They're making it re- they're making it really accessible as well. I mean, obviously, there's the Flow Slam shows, um, and this one was essentially a freebie for anyone who got Flow Slam over WrestleMania weekends. But they're also going to be putting the Lucha Live shows on YouTube. I know the, uh, the next show from Manchester, I think it's this coming Sunday, uh, they mentioned uh, it's only going to be a couple of days later that the full show is going to be going up on YouTube for free. Um, so there's that as well. I mean, like I say, they've got that, that flow slam money behind them. Um, for better or worse, they've got a, a dedicated uh, creative team behind them. Who de- they're definitely full of ideas. I think that's the one thing you'd say about this promotion. Um, again, we touched on it at the start. The presentation, the logos, everything about it has been first class and while there's definitely some bumps in the road in this first show, I think I'm quietly positive about the promotion. I mean, I don't know how you two guys feel. Yeah, I think there's definitely potential. They're finding their feet at the moment. There are a few teething problems, you know. 
But overall, there was there was a good mixture on the car. There was a good bit of variety. Uh, if we if we're to take anything from it, I do think one point I wanted to make again going back to the commentary um, and the kind of irony I was talking about. I was watching some WXW as well, and the commentary in WXW from Alan Cunahan is absolutely like first class. Like, yeah. and it's it's serious as well. Uh, and it's it was nice going from watching some Lucha Forever to watching some WXW and seeing wrestling without that I, that irony yeah. and being taken seriously and being announced in a serious way. And now it's almost there's a sort of sport like element to it. Mm. So I thought that was really positive. Um, I get what they're trying to do in terms of filling a gap in the market, but yeah, some definite teething problems. And I think the commentary definitely needs to be kind of worked on going into the next show because if I'm honest. If the commentary carries on like that, I don't know if I'll be able to sit through shows. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you just do what I do, Joe. I mean, I tend to, a lot of VOD I watch these days, I'll end up putting some music on in the background or listening to Meltzer <laughs> on a podcast or something. I just, I can't hack it sometimes. The sounds of the mat and the yeah. crap. Yeah, Come you do lose stop. that. I think the best commentary teams in the UK are the ones where you, you just don't really notice them. I think that's probably the highest compliment you can pay. I know Callum Leslie and Matt Richards did the Birmingham Progress shows, and I was really into their team because they kind of just let the action speak for itself, yeah. and it was just, you didn't really overly notice them, apart from when they, you know, they were filling in bits of trivia, which is always great from that duo. I know, you know think- historically we've had some good commentators. Alan Boone used to be a really good uh, commentator back in the day. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, um, they're not exactly uh, ten a penny. Um, great commentators in the UK, and it, it can be a problem for, for shows like this. Progress has got it down when it comes to commentary. I quite like Glenn because mm. he gets so into the action as well. And he gets a bit shouty sometimes is the only thing I'd say there. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. But I suppose it shows that he cares in a way. And I don't know, you know that he's one of the owners, so he's sort of selling the product in that way. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that needs to be addressed going forward, Lucia Forever, I think. Yeah, because they were bickering the entire time during <laughs> uh, Tony Storm, TK Cooper. It was it was awful. It was like it was like watching wrestling while a divorced couple of par- a couple of parents <laughs> stood behind a divorce and having a singing match. You're Bringing back thinking. great memories of uh, Michael Cole's heel run on WWE Raw a few years ago. I loved that. <laughs> <laughs> I might be the only person, but I loved that heel run. Oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> so Lucha Forever. Um, it's it's going to be very interesting. Flo Sam have got a British indie promotion, which is I think fundamentally what they want. Yeah. And it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be really good for that. And obviously, we're gonna be talking about other shows sure. run by more established promotions. And there's a few things from that I think that they can take. And if they do, they'll really enhance the product and they'll be around for a while. For sure. Okay, well, uh, carrying on with what we've been watching, for my segment, I was going to go into a Fight Club Pro and then Manchester show, which I attended, which uh, you guys weren't able to. But I'll save that for later when we start talking about uh, the big Wolves show on night one for Fight Club Pro. So, Joe, uh, for your what you've been watching, uh, both actually you, Joe, and JP, you found yourselves at Rev Pro. Um, Thursday gone at Epic Encounter. How was it? Yeah, so Rev Pro was the sort of start of this weekend on the Thursday last week. Got to say, um, another stellar show from Red Pro. I, I know mm-hmm. it seems like I'm a 
bit of, of a sort of lick Red Pro's ass, to be honest. They do but great shows. They've just been so consistent this year. You could argue that the first your call show this year was maybe a little bit disappointing, considering the card, mm. uh, and considering something we didn't deliver on the level that we thought they might, but I thought this was possibly, I've been to every York Hall show bar the first one, because I was mm. seeing Bruce Springsteen that day, so I missed David Liger. <laughs> uh, bar that show, I've been to every single York Hall show they put That's, on. I'm and sorry, no, we've got to be right now, that is the greatest excuse I've ever heard for not going to a show. <laughs> <laughs> and I also missed the cockpit show last year, that I think it was Zach Trent 7, because I was seeing Springsteen then as well. Oh man. A mate of mine from America were over, who were at the cockpit, and I didn't get to go to the show with Mark and Jacob, because I already had my Springsteen ticket, unfortunately. Wow. So I uh, learned something new there about you, Joe. He loves the boss. Uh, the greatest live act ever, in my <laughs> opinion. Um, but going back to where we were, um, yeah, the show was absolutely awesome once again. Everything on this card made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the booking, I thought, was very strong throughout the show. And the quality of match was very, very, very consistent. The only match that I didn't think delivered uh, was the Jay White and Helico match, which wasn't bad by any means. I just didn't think it belonged on this card. Um, Jay White, I think, is very good. And I think it'll be fine when he goes back to Japan. But there's something missing at the moment. I don't know if he needs a heel turn, he needs something to freshen up his character, or he needs to be on the cockpit shows as well, just to get something going in Ref Pro. Because it feels like he's getting random matches on York Hall shows, and they're just not really connecting with anyone. Um, mm. So I think that needs some thought going forward. But going through the card, I thought this was great. Uh, first of all, CCK, who won the belt at the cockpit from... Um, well, this podcast wouldn't be this podcast without mentioning Team Bland and <laughs> Team Blander of uh, Redmond and Sterling. Um, Johnny Ace's boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But this was Banks and Chris Brooks' first match at York Hall. And it felt like they, felt like they belonged there. It felt so right them being in this position, opening this show. Sammy Callahan, I thought, was great in this match. Uh, I know I didn't speak too fondly of the Osprey match earlier, but I thought that he was his intensity was great here. Mm-hmm. It really worked within this match. Him and Travis Banks, that's a singles match that I wouldn't mind seeing at some point, I've got to say. Um, but really fun match to get things underway. Really good win as well for CCK. I feel like they've, they've, re- they've really established themselves. Andy Quilden's done a great job of getting them over or letting them get over in Rev Pro this year, booking them against good opponents, letting them have good matches. And essentially, even though they're heels, they're essentially faces. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the only danger, isn't it? They're in real danger of becoming baby faces. But actually, you're right, they probably already are, aren't they? I think that's part of... I mean, I, I get the the inclination to want Travis Banks on show, so to put him in this fake uh, CCK version too. Uh, but I think the problem with having him instead of Lycos is uh, Banks is just so likable um, that they're going to be a face team, aren't they? There's not much you can really do about that. I do feel a bit sorry for Lycos as well, in a way, because you feel like Travis Banks could have come in as a singles competitor of Rev Pro and still done as well. Yeah. Maybe and there's like- a story there to tell. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, going forward, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, great opener, I really enjoyed the post-match angle as well, I've always been a fan of Martin Stone on the mic, I've always thought that he's a really, really good talker, and he always connects the crowd. He cut a really good promo at the cockpit the week before this, mm-hmm. and again, his promo worked here with Callahan to set up a match for Sweden down the road, probably on the next York Hall show, mm-hmm. I imagine. So it looks like we're going to get Callahan coming back, JP actually had a chat with uh, Martin Stone, didn't he, yeah. at the cockpit, about his sort of bookings and what's going on with him at the that's, moment. That's right. He's only working for Rev Pro in this country. 
like outside of that, he's he's working in Evolve, Florida Indies, where where he lives. He's um, FIP, heritage F- champion FIP. That's right. Like that. Yeah, and he, he's sort of working more, um, like even states like Georgia, which I think is next door to Florida, yeah, and, and, yeah. and whatnot. So mainly mainly around the south. Um, I think we were speaking about this at the time. What was what was interesting is Martin Stone is. It almost feels like he's kind of representative of, of that company mm. and there is a brilliant story to tell with martin stone in rev pro as the kind of one of the elder statesmen or for british independent wrestling coming back you know not likely to kind of get that big story in wwe but he's coming back to britain he's he's got credibility he's in the in the match he's just really smooth he's not necessarily what you'd say fashionable yeah. but that's a really refreshing change of pace, especially when you've got someone as intense as Sammy Callahan and you've got like the CCK team and their work throughout. Quite, so, yeah, I quite enjoyed on the commentary as well. You're referring to the team, is it? It's basically, it's Solomon Crow and, uh, and Danny Birch. It's like team NXT reject essentially, isn't it? But I think. That was Martin Stone and Redman when they came back, wasn't oh, it? Oh, there they you just, go, yeah. That when the tag team title was at York Hall. On their, I think that was their first indie match back. Ooh. Oh, yeah, and then. Martin Stone is. I, I, I really enjoy Martin Stone. So I mean, it, it, there's a really the, you can tell that there's going to be a really good slow build story for Martin Stone in Rev Pro. Hopefully, there will be. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So going on from there, I mean, Callahan and Stone. CK, I enjoyed it as an opener. Angelico and Jay White. I mean, uh, you, we just touched on that before. It, 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 that that come up as the second match, wasn't it? And that was just. I was watching that on on the on demand, thinking. Uh, it, it sounds like people were just talking amongst themselves at the show, and, and like you just said before, uh, Joe, it didn't sound like something that really needed to be on a on a packed eight eight match show. Um, something that definitely deserved to be there, though. Yeah, next it was uh, Zach Gibson and uh, and Hiroki Goto. I mean, how was that in the building? Oh, it was awesome. Oh, it was awesome. Gibson is so good, and he's a heat machine. He's great in the ring as well. He looked so comfortable, I thought, in there with Goto. This is probably the biggest match of his career, let's be honest. It's his first York All show, and he, again, he looked like he belonged there. As we said with Travis Banks and Chris Brooks, it looked like Zach Gibson belonged there. It looked like he um, was comfortable in this match of an opponent who's far more experienced, faced a much wider variety of opponents than uh, Zach Gibson. And I thought it was great. They really gelled. The heat, the promo beforehand, really benefited this. Um, as soon as Osprey came out, you kind of had an idea about what was going to happen, I think. Um, we kind of guessed straight away that there was going to be some involvement and then Zach would get involved later on in the Osprey-Bowden match. But one thing about um, Red Pro, again, I want to say, is they've really done a great job at refreshing their roster this year. Uh, they brought in some... Good British guys. It looks like Pete Dunn and the British Strong Style guys aren't going to be booked in Rev Pro going forward, really. Um, and they would, you know, they look like they were set to have a really sort of prominent role in Rev Pro this year. But bringing in Gibson, Banks, Brooks as well, using Martin Stone a bit more, uh, it shows that Rev Pro again have refreshed their roster really nicely. These guys have got over straight away. There's n- no doubt that these guys fitted into the promotion um they seem to be able to work as well they seem to be able to work in different environments the cockpits are very different environments of york hall but they're working in front of that small crowd well they're fitting in front of a big crowd so i think 
Quilden has done a great job at refreshing this roster. But yeah, I really enjoyed this match. Mm. This might have been my favourite match of the night, if I'm honest. Um, I think I was a little bit kind of, I don't want to say, I don't want to say sceptical, but I was kind of anticipating how Gibson would look with someone like Goto, because I'd never seen him with such an opponent before. And he looked comfortable. He looked absolutely fine in there. And the heat really benefited the match as well, I think. And the heat went on to Goto. Yeah. Which was interesting yeah. to where it became, you know, as less just sort of shouting stuff at Zach Gibson and he's in there against another guy as actually the crowd being really behind Goto as well. Um, I was yeah. going to say that. I mean, it felt like Gibson, for better or worse, he worked his match, didn't he? It's not like this was a pure New Japan style match. I mean, it was in some ways. Obviously, Gibson allowed room for, for Goto to work his style too. But mainly, it felt like a very uh, Americanized match. It felt very... Uh, suited to the to the style of Zach Gibson. Uh, I'm not so sure on the on the the car stereo uh, thing. They've done that spot, haven't they? In progress, uh, where G- Gibson who gets taunted, where's my car stereo? A very horrible stereotype about the uh, the city of Liverpool. Uh, he brought it out in progress from under the ring and got a great response there, and it worked. But I thought here maybe it didn't really fit the tone of the match for me. It was a little bit too uh, bit. bit just a bit much, um, but overall, yeah, I think I really enjoyed the match as well. Um, it, it, again, it's just one of those matches where when you saw it on the list, and it's like, is this a real match? It's it's Zach Gibson against Hiroki Goto. Well, the King of Scouse style deserved this match, if you ask. <laughs> yep. He's improved so much in the last couple of years, and yeah, I, I, I think you should be really happy with what he achieved in that match. It's great. Um, next match going on to was Marty against Hiromu Takahashi. As soon as I saw this match announced, to be honest, going into it, I didn't know that it was going to be the Elite doing six mans everywhere. So I was thinking, right, Marty versus Omega, that would be a dream match. Book that as the main event. And Marty Takahashi is a match that I was really looking forward to again. Uh, Takahashi, I liked him when he was Kami Itachi on the uh, Indies last year, but Takahashi in New Japan has been absolutely amazing. Been having great matches all year. Match with Kushida at the Tokyo Dome this year, I think, was unlucky to be on a card where a card versus Omega happened because yeah. this was that was a pretty special match. And this seemed like a big opportunity for Marty as well. And you could tell that he was really motivated. One of the things I thought they did really well was they worked around signature spots really nicely. So Takahashi's sunset flip power bomb to the floor, I thought they worked around really well, teased it, nice reversals based around that that played into the match quite nicely. Had a really good pace to it as well. Like, really, really good pace. There was an intensity to it. They seemed to gel together. Um, one of the things that I didn't like so much was when they went up the ramp. It felt a little bit um, Attitude Era main event. And it felt like because they weren't going to do the big Sunset with Powerbomb spot, they wanted to throw something epic in there. So they went up the ramp and just threw in a snap suplex on the ramp. And I f- on, the ramp on the ramp, and I thought that kind of took away a little bit from the intensity that they kind of had going within the match at that point in time. So I thought that could have been dropped. Um, but I was really happy with this match. It's probably my second favourite match of the night, personally. Um, Takahashi winning as well. But I thought Marty looked good in defeat. I think that was always a given, though, wasn't it? It's kind of the commentary at one point said, oh, can you believe it? The uh, the Ring of Honor uh, TV champion might be about to, to pin the New Japan uh, Junior Heavyweight champion. And I was just thinking, no, he's not. 
<laughs> of course he's not. It's Ring of Honor versus New Japan. That is not happening. But you're right. I think that they, they made Marty look strong. They gave him something with the the big time bomb uh, kick out before he did eventually succumb oh, yeah. to the the other variation of that move. And yeah, they gave him plenty. And it was just, I to me, it was just a match of, of two wrestlers who've just got real star aura. Hiromi when he comes out, there was just something about him and they were talking about again on the commentary saying that you know, the previous times he, he's he's been over in Rev Pro he's not got that that level of reaction it just shows uh, the work that's gone in and the great work that he's done in New Japan and obviously Marty is Marty he's the uh, the star of the show on Rev Pro uh, shows these days isn't he? Oh without a doubt and I don't know why they didn't go a full-fledged base turn at some point to be honest because if you we're going to come on to the Zack Sabre Jr. Mm-hmm. but Zack is a heel uh, like fans yeah. Arm into Zach in the way that they would be if he was a baby. Well, he's meant to be a baby face, but he's acted as a heel a little bit, but there's not been a heel turn. I do think they missed something on not doing a big Zach Marty angle where one went clear cut face, one went clear cut heel. Uh, cause it, it can be a little bit confusing in matches at certain points. That can be a little bit of an annoyance. Um, what I'll say as well, I hope, I really hope after this match as well that Marty gets a, a chance in New Japan at some point. I think he's well overdue a shot in WWE or New Japan. As much as I love Marty, I do wonder at the moment, is he getting a little bit stale on the indies? He's been there for so long now. The villain thing, we all know what it is. We all know what his signature spots are. If he's going to remain on the indies, does he need to freshen it up a little bit, perhaps? Um, But yeah, I'd love him to get a shot in New Japan. But with the WWE UK uh, stuff coming up as well, I had rumours that he wasn't going to sign, re-sign with Ring of Honor. He had a six-month get-out clause as well. Don't know how true that is, but yeah, I'd love to see him. Love to see him somewhere bigger than Ring of Honor, to be honest. <laughs> I think yeah. he deserves it, and I think he's more than good enough to thrive would, in a different environment. I would say this: if ITV ever kicked off, he really would be. Absolutely perfect to a certain degree. Oh, I, just, then, I fear. I, w- I fear what would happen because that would be Saturday afternoon. And Jeff Jarrett, TNA, anything TNA, I'm just skeptical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing I was going to say as well about um, York Hall is that they seem to be dying at each show, but the Moose chants still remain. Now, if anyone's listening to this who chants Moose, can you please shut the fuck up? <laughs> no one likes the Moose chants other than those chanting it. It's the name of a wrestler who appeared there in June last year. That's ten months ago. Hopefully he's not going to come back because of those chants, and they are bloody annoying. I don't think the wrestlers like them. Most of the fans don't like them. Please shut up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, moving on. Um, next, we have the unification of the uh, British Cruiserweight Championship. So we've got Josh Bowden, the interim champion, and Will Ospreay, the champion. Um, we've spoken about Bowden at length on this show before and how underrated me and JP personally feel that he is. Um, I thought this was Bowden's best match. Um, yeah, I agree. This this match was I've said that the two previous matches might have been my one and two on the night, but maybe I forgot about this one as well. This was another great match. The card was so consistent, just kept delivering hit after hit. Um, this one, in terms of crowd involvement, Gibson Goat the crowd were really into, but you really felt the crowd were invested in this match. You really felt that no one wanted to. Well, very few people in the building wanted to see Bowden win. <laughs> And he seemed like he was truly over as a heel in the building that night as well. Um, I got the impression watching this 
that there was a little bit of heat personally between Bowden and Osprey. I thought they were really laying some shots in at various points, and it seemed like there was a I don't know a little bit of a dislike. Maybe you, kind of, you want that though, don't you? Want whether that's true or not, you you want that illusion. You want it to feel real when you know when Bowden's going after the legitimately injured back of uh, of Osprey. Uh, I think it's. It, it, you know, in this match particularly, he was particularly brutal where with some of the, the offense that he hit to Osprey's back. I mean, at one point, um, he, he just essentially just kneeled down and started punching Will Osprey in the back. Uh, I thought that was really good. And you're right. I think a lot of Osprey's strikes were quite stiff and it felt, I mean, people gave, uh, Red Pro some grief about maybe the booking sometimes from a, a storyline point of view. It's the promotion, isn't it? Where you go for your, for your great matches. And the stories aren't always there, but with that part, that there, they definitely uh, delivered on a, on something of a story here, didn't they? It did feel like a like a grudge between uh, two men who believed that they were the rightful champion. JP. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the Bodum, like the fact that Bodum is that pure heel, and also the fact that you're going to have him and Zach Gibson teaming together um, as well. I mean, you, that's good. You're going to get proper heel heat. I be fascinating to see a match between them and CCK now, coming to think of it. Um, but Bodum is at the point now as well where I think he should be working around a few other places around the yeah, country. Most definitely. I, I know Lucha Forever are booking him. I Lucha Forever are booking yeah. him. I mean, I think there's, you know, the guy is really good and there's not that many. I mean, how many sort of pure heels do we have? who aren't being cheered in some form. I mean, that's the thing. There's one bloke who is at all of the Rev Pro shows. He will always cheer for Bodum. <laughs> but he's somewhat isolated from some yeah. of the others. I think the thing with Bodum is even when he hits like a big dive, you don't... I mean, you can, maybe he gets a little bit of a pop, but mainly you just think, oh, you dick, fuck off, stop it. Yeah. That's what's great about the character, isn't it? Absolutely. I would love to see him turn up in the ballroom. The, the the shit he would get if he sat up in the ballroom at a big angle would just be amazing. I, I personally, I'd love it. Um, I get the feeling that Progress won't book him because he's not fashionable. And one of the things I've said for Rev Pro that I really like is they're willing to book talent who maybe aren't deemed as fashionable. Your Bodums, your Martin Stones. Um, to some extent, you could even say your Shah Samuels. Mm-hmm. And these talents that they use, who you could deem as unfashionable, really over in the promotion and really work and really function in the promotion um, I really hope that there are sort of brighter things in Bowden's future as well because it seems like Rev Pro is the only platform the only promotion where he has uh, he's booked in sort of really kind of um, prominent storylines and prominent matches I know he went to Orlando and had the match with David Starr which I thought was a great match as well and he didn't have any other matches in Orlando while he was there that weekend you're sort of thinking why is no one else picking up on this guy? I don't know if he is a bit of a dick in real life. Maybe he is. He'd have to be a monstrous dick, given some of the people who've been involved in wrestling throughout the years. But what I think I is mean, progress of bringing in guys like James Drake. Like, that guy's dull. <laughs> <laughs> like, what has he got that someone like Bowden hasn't? He's got a WWE contract. I'm sure that explains a lot. But at the same time, someone like Bowden has been avoided by progress. And you've got a talent here ready to go. You've mm. got a better version of Sebastian right here waiting. And I love Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the things I'll probably say about this match, I mean, I'd want to ask, uh, talking about heel Heath, 
Gibson, uh, Zach Gibson doing the running. We talked earlier about uh, seeds were planted for this with Will Ospreay uh, being in Goto's corner. What did you make of that? It was very uh, WWE the finish here, wasn't it? Uh, Gibson coming in with a distraction. Um, it didn't eventually, it didn't immediately lead to the finish, but eventually, uh, in effect, it did. Do you think it hurt the match at all, or do you think it, uh, I mean, th- this is maybe the opposite example of what we talked about earlier. I think maybe this is, this being more of a story-based match, based around the selling of Osprey's back, who was fantastic, you know, even selling his back when he hit the ropes and telling this grudge story. Do you think the finish worked here with, uh, with Osprey, I suppose, being screwed in a way? I, I, personally, I think it definitely works for Bodum's character. Yeah. I think it definitely did. It works with Bowden's character, and they kind of established a kind of relationship between Gibson and Bowden on the cockpit show a few days beforehand, mm-hmm. where Gibson was doing his uh, usual promo shtick, and between each line, Bowden was shouting, bro, and it was hilarious, and it got them both booed out of the building, <laughs> and Os- they were in a tag match against Osprey and Bubblegum, and there was a bit of a that was set up between Osprey and Gibson in that match. It was further in the Goto match. So I'm assuming they'll do Osprey-Gibson down the line at some point. Um, I don't know if Osprey's going to maybe sell a long-term back injury in, in Rev Pro. You never know. Um, one thing I will say as well, we haven't mentioned, is the cut on Osprey's back. I thought that visual of where you could see that his back was physically damaged mm. really benefited the match as well because there was something that you could see uh, and I think that got people more into it. It made them worry about Osprey more as well. When he took uh, that big bump from the, you know, bottom caught him on the second and did that power bomb onto the knees, it just, it made it that much more visceral, didn't it? That you just thought, oh my god, it's just a horrible bump to take if you really are struggling with your back. Elsewhere on the card, we had the Shaw Samuels and James Castle, a, a grudge match. Of sorts. Uh, JP, what did you make of this one? I mean, it's really, uh, we're talking about sort of, um, heel face dynamic here. Do you know, first of all, do you know why this was no DQ? I've got no clue. Ah, that, that was at the cockpit <laughs> show. And the, the crowd at the cockpit bullied Quilden into doing no DQ. Oh really? Is that what the story was? <laughs> <laughs> he was chanting no DQ, no DQ, no DQ. And he was looking, thinking, ah, oh, can I do this? Can mm. I do this? And he goes over and has a quick word with Chris Roberts and he walks back and just announces that it's now going to be a disqualification match. He was, his hand was forced. He's a versatile uh, <laughs> booker, clearly, in promoter. He, he's willing to listen to the fans. Yeah. How original. Yeah. <laughs> he, but it works for this feud, I mean, as well. Yeah, I mean, it, given what had been building up between these guys over the last, um, well, how long has this feud been developing? Well, they were a ta- tag team champions exactly. for a while, weren't they? And yeah. then uh, this, the feud's got to been going on for about three or four months since the beginning of the year. Yeah. Pretty much. The the big thing here is is the crowd are not going to accept James Castle as a face. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad the hair is gone. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. He got cheered, didn't he, after the match, uh, cutting off James Castle's fantastic green mohawk. Um, just, just massively <laughs> so over on the cockpit shows as well. Yeah, and when he, he he's over more because you'd have flipped because you'd have moonsault to the outside. Yeah, oh, god, round. yeah. It's got him over as a face. And he's he's been on it. I think he's been on every York Hall show that I've been to. Yeah. Uh, but he seems to have got more over over time, possibly due to that kind of because um, he's uh, always a presence within the promotion. Yeah. People have grown to to like him a little bit more. They know what his act is. They know what he's about. It's hard not. I find it hard not to cheer him. Yeah. He really is. I mean, I, I would never have been a Charles Samuels fan, but 
Yeah. I, I don't know what good this actually has done, James Castle. So you, on one hand, you can look at it from a booking perspective, thinking, oh, they're looking to get a young guy by using an older guy. I don't think Castle's any more open than he was two years ago based on this feud. I'll say that for him. So you can maybe pick holes in the actual booking of this based on that alone. And based on that, he won, but then got the shit kicked out of him and got humiliated by Shah afterwards. But I suppose let's see where this leads. And then, sorry, no, no, it was leading... Uh, the thing was, as well, is that he was. I also think he was in the wrong place in the card, because given the the next match, Joel, tell us about between Kashida and Zach. You kind of needed to have, um, like that kind of match would have worked nicely in between. Would have worked. Mm. Would have worked much better. Sorry, mm. I'm jumping ahead to the no, match you're about right. to talk about now. Don't worry. So the next match was uh, for the British Heavyweight Championship between Kashida and Zach Saber Junior. Um, so. It's been interesting with Zach the last sort of few months or so in uh, Red Pro. So he was brought back as the kind of returning heroic babyface when he came back and beat AJ. But since really the Jeff Cobb match in July last year, he's kind of been a heel in Red Pro. The fans have really turned on him. Not not so sure why they have, um, but the York Hall crowds often aren't. It's so into Zach. Um, I think they're desperate for Marty to go sort of full-fledged face. I think that's one thing. Um, but here there were a lot of boos for Saber, and it seemed like live. I like the match. I'd like to watch it again. Uh, I've only had a chance. I haven't had a chance to rewatch it since it happened. And there was some really nice stuff in there. There was a match full of really nice moments. Some really good transitions. Uh, there were some really nice sequences between the guys. But I didn't think it necessarily fit at this point in the card. I think maybe if it went on uh, straight after an admission, it would have been over a lot more than it actually was, potentially. Um, I thought it also went a little bit long as well. I didn't think be booked to go quite so long. You could have cut a good 10 minutes from this and had a much... I thought this crowd wanted a faster-paced match. They weren't in the mood for uh, some of the slow technical work that kind of took place in this match. The attention span wasn't there at this point in time, especially when everyone's really looking forward to seeing the elite in the match after this. So I thought... And the fact that, that everyone was late in. I mean, I was yeah. going to say, I mean, what time was it at this point when this match was coming out? I think that's, that, that goes against it as well. I mean, this was a really late finishing show, wasn't it? I think we looked at it and it might have been... I don't know, 10 past 10 when it when it, when it it started. Yeah. And, and it was like, it was 10.43. <laughs> well, yeah. I really... And, I think I... I mean, I enjoyed the show, I enjoyed this match watching it on demand, but I think I probably echo, yeah, it felt like the crowd was wrong for it. I think Zack Sabre coming out in his uh, Suzuki gun, uh, black gear, and maybe showing a bit more of an evil side, and maybe a little bit more positive on that than maybe yourself, Joe. I kind of like that side of Zack Sabre, the more aggressive uh, side of Zack Sabre, but there was definitely something a little bit off here where, you know, Zack Sabre missed... There was a weird spot, wasn't there, where they messed up like a hip toss into an arm bar and they struggled to recover to get back into that. It was just one of those matches, I think, where I enjoyed it as a whole, but I would probably say they've got better in them, haven't they? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. I, I think that it went 28 minutes. This could have gone 15, 16, and I think it would have, I think it would have been a much more effective match on the night for this crowd. This wasn't what this crowd necessarily wanted on the night. Yeah. Um, I do think that, the way that some of Zach's matches are being booked at York Hall does need to be thought about. 
a little bit more because the Marty match kind of suffered from the same problems as well at York Hall. Uh, the Jeff Cobb match, to some extent, suffered from the same problems. So I do think there needs to be a, maybe a reassessment of how Zach is being booked on York Hall shows mm. because it doesn't. It, I don't know. I don't. Want to, I don't think it's benefiting him too much at the moment. No, it doesn't. It, it, it's. It, it, I've read that the, the, it gets compared with Timothy Thatcher's Evolve. Oh right? yeah, yeah. That it's and it's it's not it's not working for that particular crowd. Zach's a more diverse wrestler than Timothy Thatcher. Oh yeah, I've only seen yeah. Timothy Thatcher do really but, like one star, whereas Zach's got a lot more in his arsenal. It depends it was, on the crowd, doesn't it? I mean, I was a uh, we're going to talk about Fight Club Pros at the Fight Club Pro Manchester show. And Zack Sabre had a, a really an interesting match with Angelico in that it was more technical style than, expe- than you'd expect with a flyer like Angelico. And the building was completely silent. And I was talking to a couple of people I know who used to wrestle. And they were kind of saying, oh, it's ridiculous this. I mean, how, how quiet is it in here? I mean, you wouldn't get away with this, you know, at our shows. And I think the big difference is, though, I mean, I was looking around at the crowd going, the people here aren't silent out of disinterest. The silent out of they're just really into the the technical yeah. style of Zack Sabre and you kind of there's a particular crowd and a particular show and a particular place where a, a Zack Sabre match really works um, and it can depend on the night but yeah I mean overall I'd probably uh, I'd say it was, a, it was a strong match in some ways like you said Joe there were some really you know good exchanges in here Zack Sabre uh, selling his legs sorry selling his arms so he's, he's grabbing sleepers with one arm uh, grabbing limbs, uh, Samoa Joe style to stop rope breaks. So there was certainly some nice stuff in the match, but yeah, I think they've, uh, both men have got a, a better days, I think, than, than what was, uh, shown here. Yeah, most of I think they've got a better match than going forward. One thing I will say is there's no obvious next challenger for Zach for the title. Mm. I don't know where they're going to go next. Uh, apparently, Jay White. Okay. Which, as a placeholder match, it's, It'll be interesting. I wouldn't do that. I think that would die on a York Hall show. I think on a cockpit show, it'd be tremendous. Cockpit show, great. Yeah, yeah. I'd be well up for that. York Hall show, I think, no. it, would, I think it would die. Yeah. I really do. Really do. Um, but following on from that, uh, this is very late in the show now, um, but we had the main event, which everyone was here to see and that everyone was hugely excited for. Mm. Um, first time seeing Kenny Omega as well, so I was really pump for this one mm. uh the atmosphere for this was great yeah it looked uh, good on the vod awesome it was everything that really i wanted it to be and that everyone yeah. i attended the show with wanted it to be as well nothing disappointing about this match whatsoever um it was just great fun it was really 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 good fun uh Everything that you wanted to see, signature spots were in there. Moments of comedy, it was in there. Um, the only thing that I thought it didn't maybe achieve was it seems like Ryan Smile was a real project of Rev Pro this year. Mm. And I didn't feel like Ryan Smile stood out at any point in the match. And I didn't feel like he was any more over uh, as a result of this match. And he was in there with Kenny Omega and the Bucks. And I thought there was maybe an opportunity that was missed there potentially going forward. That's kind um, of the, the thing with this match. I mean, I was looking at the car. I mean, I know it's not their fault that Ricochet uh, couldn't make the show. Um, and obviously, you know, Leo Rush is a good talent in, in, in itself. But it did feel like, yeah, the, the I suppose the Rev Pro team or the other team that weren't the elite were maybe missing something from a from a star power perspective. And yeah, Ryan Smile did seem to maybe get a little bit dwarfed by the occasion. Um, that was kind of my take on it too. So it was sort of Leo Rush is really over. Mm. Yeah, 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 definitely. He definitely. seems to be like immediately the crowd have kind of warmed to him. I mean, he was there for the Ring of Honor shows, 
that, that, that we saw, that we all saw between us. Um, but he, here, I mean, again, sorry, coming back to it, Shane Strickland looked tremendous in this match as kind of the guy who was working with particularly the Bucks most throughout the match. Yeah. I mean, and I thought, I thought he was, he was just tremendous. I thought Shane Strickland was sort of holding it together at certain points as well for that opposing team. And he seemed to be getting a, a lot of the match and he seemed to really sort of live up and kind of, um, grasp the occasion, if anything. I mm. thought he was great in this match. I, I'm really hoping Rev Pro start booking Strickland a lot more going forward because he's really got something that, uh, yeah, I think is a real value in the UK. Well, in wrestling generally, but in the UK, he's really gotten over. Mm. Uh, and I, I want to see more of him personally. And he fits in on these big shows as well. He can wrestle a variety of different styles. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, I think it was one of those matches where, I mean, watching it on the VOD, it was probably the loudest um, I've heard uh, your call be. I think the it's funny the elite come in that these super indie New Japan stars, but I was watching the the uh, being the elite the elite on YouTube and it, it was showing them coming to this show, flying in on a Ryanair flight and staying in a travel lodge. Kind of, it's uh, <laughs> it's quite the, uh, the yeah the diff with the star. That's quite stark, really. Uh, but yeah, they they do come across as as real genuine stars. The elite and you know an occasion like this and. You know, there were, there were certain things about the match, and we'll, we'll get into later the other elite match that you guys were live for, and I was live for as well. In that, over the weekend, they did seem to they went back to a lot of the same spots, didn't they? A lot of you know comedy at the start of the match with the books tripping on the uh, the York Hall stage, everyone missing splashes and then drop kicks, and building eventually into you know the the cutesy uh, triple spots and four boots thing that the uh, the young bucks and kenny omega kept doing in all the matches but the the one thing that all of the elite matches that we're going to talk about have got in common is they all although they had the comedy moments and all they had the lighter moments and to be honest i mean you need that to to save your body i mean kenny omega and the young bucks they, they go as hard as anyone don't they so you can't really uh get angry that they uh that, that they were using some of these i suppose what some people would call shortcuts but in every occasion the match got serious and in this case you know like you said joe i think uh, Shane Strickland sp- specifically looked really, really good. I mean, even just the spot where he did the moonsault off the, off a of Matt's chest, uh, was really cool. And he, he just came across, he came across as a star to me, I think, it, it, on this show and, and across the weekend. I think overall it was just a really good weekend for Shane Strickland. One last thing I wanted to say about this sh- the show from a live perspective as well is, the security was much improved for this show. It actually felt like there were more people in New York Hall. It felt like they'd oversold this show more so than usual, and it's usually crammed mm. anyway. But really, they were letting people actually stand at this show and actually letting people stand rather than being really strict about everyone sitting in the right seat and sitting in their spot. Gave the show so much more. The atmosphere for this show was so consistent because the crowd felt so much closer and so much more sort of cramped in. Mm. Uh, the January show, the security were real, real arsy about people sitting down, about sort of coming around, forcing people into their seats. And there was an atmosphere missing at that show, really. And you got sort of pockets of atmosphere at different times. Whereas this time, it was consistent throughout the entire show. There was a real energy that the crowd being packed in and being able to stand kind of creates at these shows. And it's something that they need to really consider going forward and maybe sort of just say to the security going forward as well, leave the fans. If they're not causing a nuisance, leave them. They're fine to stand where they want to stand as long as they're not obstructing anyone's view Mm. or causing a nuisance because it really benefited the show, I think. And another point that has been brought up that I think they are going to be doing is earlier start times. 
because I would say earlier start times would mean the start times that they're meant to be at, which is, <laughs> hey, we're talking Brit- British wrestling stereotypes. Yeah, I think that's a <laughs> Brit res problem across the board, isn't it? It is. Tardy timekeeping is definitely up there. <laughs> Indeed. So yeah, overall, a, a really, really strong card from Rev Pro. Again, there were some some moments. That, I mean, it felt a little bit long, and there was a couple of moments as we talked about where maybe matches could have been cut or could have been a bit shorter. But yeah, overall, yeah. A, a really strong uh, show for Rev Pro. You'd imagine there's going to be more eyes than ever on that company going forward in the year. And as we talked at the top of the show, they just what a year Rev Pro are having. They're certainly the uh, the company of the year so far as far as uh, British wrestling goes when it comes to to in ring product. I think we can all definitely. Agree agree on that so yep uh, what we'll do now is we'll take a quick break uh you'll hear from Stu at the indie corner just with a couple of messages from our sponsors uh, we'll come back and what we'll look at is fight club pro and the elite friday show that we were all very lucky to be at live so we'll be back in one second Hi guys, just want to tell you about Your Fight Site VLD. It's a wrestling on-demand uh, site. features over 250 hours of content from all promotions such as Pro Wrestling Chaos, Britannia Wrestling Promotions, 3K Wrestling, Triple X Wrestling and more. UK Wrestling On Demand will get you some promotions for a set price, but every title can be rent- rented for a price of its own as well. New content will be added weekly, so head over to vld.yourfightsite.com. That's vld.yourfightsite.com. the show okay now we're going to take a look at our featured review uh this month we're looking at fight club pro uh their dream tag team invitational uh to say it was the biggest weekend um in fight club pro's short history uh would be uh, to say the least uh fight club pro have been going it's about eight years now isn't it and uh, the, the kind of a company that's been bubbling along uh kind of like this this hardcore uh company that people are aware of but it's only been in the last 18 months where they've just had more and more eyes on i think Part of it's probably the Vimeo thing, isn't it? The fact that the shows are so accessible. I think that WWE UK being built on a foundation of essentially, you know, their stars, British Strong Style, is a big part of it as well. But it, it all, I think the timing was absolutely perfect here, capitalising on that just that buzz that they've got at the moment and delivering on the biggest shows of their weekend. I mean, the show we're about to talk about in Wolverhampton, the Diamond Banqueting Suite. 
not quite the uh, the fiction warehouse, which was just over the road, as I found when I arrived there. But what did you think of the venue, the, the 1,100 capacity? Did, did you think that, uh, I mean, you've both been to fiction shows before. Did Fightle Pro lose anything by moving to the bigger venue, or was it worth it to deliver a spectacle on this scale? Oh, the fiction's amazing. It's one of the most unique places in the world wrestling. Mm-hmm. But I thought that they switched this much bigger venue. It must be, what, five times the size? Oh, God, yeah. Quite sort of naturally. It really, yeah. it really worked. It, there was, you know, maybe a few teething problems, say, with a big, long intermission. Mm-hmm. They really Chewing out on the pissing rain, didn't help as well. Yeah. Sorry to rant about that. <laughs> that didn't help at all. But in terms of the actual feel and the spectacle of the show... I thought they really, really pulled this off in a mm-hmm. massive way. And considering the scale of the show compared to what they used to run in, it didn't really feel like this was a this was a company who were sort of in above their head at all. It felt very natural. It felt like it was right at this venue. It felt like a big show. I think Trent Seven, he always does his opening promo at the beginning of their shows. But this one felt even more special with the way he was addressing the crowd, the way he was sort of selling it to the crowd. You had a word with Clint Margera before yep. the show as well, didn't you? He was sort of, what was it he was saying? He was, he was absolutely sort of completely thrilled to bits and, and con- sort of completely stunned and sort of spoken about the, the first place they were at was a, a place called The Planet. That's right. It was like a hundred capacity, wasn't it? Yeah. A hundred capacity for that. Um, I mean, the fiction is, it's about 200. It's about 200. I mean, you could probably push it to sort of you 250. You could probably get a few more in there, yeah. Um, but yeah, not much beyond that. that. That's obviously when we were there, we were stood up a ladder um, having a beer. <laughs> yeah, I was going to um, say, if anyone watches the uh, the VOD of it, was it the first female Fight Club show? Yeah. I don't Called the first fight. Oh, was it? Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I had a great laugh just watching that VOD, and every time it went to one of the cameras, I could just see you two on top of a ladder, like you were both reaching for a belt in a TLC match, uh, <laughs> watching the action, and no one came over and, took, and made you come down. I, that's a, that's what I like about Fight Club Pro. It's, yes. it's very, it's not very corporate. It's very underground. It's it's the real punk rock of uh, of pro wrestling, isn't it? I was gonna say that the feeling you get with you got with this is it felt oh no, it's and it's not saying that. It felt like it's not replaced progress in any way. It's but they're filling that void, aren't they? They are filling a void, and I have to say, there's more of a feeling of authenticity yeah. about yeah. about them and this. And we say that with love, don't we? We're all big progress fans. Yes. But you can't avoid the elephant in the room that, you know, obviously they're so polished now, they're potentially in bed with WWE. Yes. Uh, like I say, I mean, there's plenty of, of positives to that, but yeah, they do lose a little something and you just feel like Fight Club Pro are kind of, of slotting into that grimy, uh, hardcore company that may be a fight cl- uh, progress where at the start. I, personally, I love, uh, I love, uh, uh, Brewdog beer, love a punk IPA, one of my favourite beers. Oh, that's not very punk. Right. Progress have become the brew dog. <laughs> Let's be honest. Mm, yes. Fight Club Pro right now, even though that you know Trent Seven and Pete Dunne and Tyler Bay are involved with WWE. That's true as well. Yeah. They're this. They're the independent craft beer. The the genuine craft beer that are struggling along and you know uh, working up from the ground. Whereas Progress, I do feel like I would probably get criticised for saying this, but I do feel like there is this uh, kind of creeping element of uh, WWE mm. yes mm. yeah coming in a little bit and Fight Club Pro have that buzz that Progress previously had they feel like you said they feel genuine they feel really genuine it's got like they a do. genuine product and with and with you know Clint 
Clint Margera, he was absolutely stumped when he, in terms of seeing that many people and, and, and from, from where they've come and, and you couldn't help but sort of feel, feel really good for them. And obviously they've had a very big crowd. I think they sold out the meet and greet tickets. I mean, I saw on being the elite like you, Benno, there was incredibly long queues. It was absolutely insane. Mm. You met the Lucha brothers. Yeah, I did. Uh, I got a great photo with them. They were very lovely, even if they're, the, the idea of what, what is a small, and <laughs> what, and what is a medium, is that right? They, they, yeah, they but, weren't. Uh, let's just say Phoenix's English is a lot better than Pentagon's, who kept fi- trying to flog a, a, a very large t- t-shirt on me, claiming it was a, it was a small, but hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah, exactly. And saying about the venue as well, I mean, it was, it was a decent pint. You know, not the greatest. Uh, I was Carling, mate. I'm not so sure on that. Yeah. I know. I was. <laughs> You're on the no, no, no. It, it, I was thinking in terms of price. Oh, I was on the price, so that, that doesn't help. <laughs> at all. Um, there's a lot about me as a human being, <laughs> but it felt like, like in terms of this show, and I don't know if you say it, it just felt like all of the great and good from the British internet wrestling community had found their way to Wolverhampton. It was oh, God, kind yeah. of odd. All people are representative of all various websites and um, podcasts that we listen and listen to and, and read about. And they were all there, so it kind of did feel like there was a, a sort of a, a real, a real buzz, yeah, like for for such a long time, and then it obviously kicked on. Well, we have to, so speaking of the show, I mean, it kicking off. I mean, there was no better way to start it, really. I love a big show kicking off with a bit of a, a clusterfuck match, and we we wound up with uh, Chris Buck, Brooks, uh, Dan Maloney, Omari. Mark Haskins, and as a surprise, we had Jimmy Havoc there. And also, we thought it was a, a last performance in, a, in Fight Club Pro, the uh, aforementioned last female of Fight Club, but Nixon Newell came out here as well, and if you're going to uh, start a, a show, you've got to start it right, and a, a crazy spot fest is probably the time to, the, the thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, and I thought they had the right mix of talent here as well. You had some good sort of home Fight Club Pro talent like Amari, uh, like Dan Maloney as well, Chris Brooks has been prominent there. But then you throw in the likes of Havoc and Haskins, and you put the surprise of Nixon Newell in there as well. And I thought this was really jump. I thought Haskins, Haskins looked amazing at this match. He, he's he's looked so good over this past year. He hasn't missed a beat since oh, the injury. It looks so smooth. He, mm. Like everything he does is is absolutely seamless. And I thought he held this match together at points as well. But everyone looked good in here as well. Dan Maloney got a lot in as a homegrown talent as well, as someone who I think is going to make a name for himself in the next couple of years and be a sort of prominent star in the British Indies. Nixon Newell got some good signature spots in at different times as well that popped the crowd. I thought this was a great, great, great opener person. Yeah, everyone looked good. And from the, when obviously there at the time, the entire audience was completely into it. And, and like you said before, Benno, Big spot fest. It was the best way to start the show, particularly because there had been that delay. Yeah. I think throwing the surprises in as well just amped the crowd up a little bit more. Because I, I'd, I'd seen Jimmy Havoc and Nixon Newell walking out of Costa earlier <laughs> that day. Like, oh, they must just be down there watching the show and hanging out for the evening. So when they came out, it was like, oh, awesome. And yeah. We get to see a couple of other stars in here as well. Nixon Newell gets another goodbye. Cool. Go with that. Yeah. And it added a bit of variety to the match as well. It gave it that different element as well. Um, there were some really cool and really sort of nicely put together spots in there as well. I really like the spot where Havoc and Haskins had, uh, I can't remember they had in the sharpshooters, but they had two people in the sharpshooters. 
and they was sort of led down below in Amari, and then Nixon Yule had got someone in a sleeper hold, didn't she? And then that was Chris it. Brooks did a wet willy. Oh, to, to everybody, all of the opponents getting the uh, the Usyk fuck chance. Yeah. They alluded nicely to the Brooks and Nixon Yule feud as well, I thought, for those that followed that. There were some interesting spots in there. I really liked Dan Maloney's entrance and the Alan Partridge, like Dan chance. Oh, I'm <laughs> sure it must be Partridge influence, but the Dans that he just received. Oh, it's since that, uh, speaking of WWE UK, I mean, that, um, the video they did, What Things Have You Seen? Uh, I don't know if you've seen that meme. That was the question they asked of, uh, of Dan Maloney. And he just, he can't, he'll never live that down now. He's just going to constantly get those chants and get made fun of. Uh, but it really works, doesn't it? I think he's a really strong uh, heel character in Fight Club Pro. And I think he's going to have, he's going to have a really good year. I can't believe how young he is. Mm. He looks, he looks old. I'm 30 and he looks older than me. And he's got a, he's really quite thick body in the sense that he looks like he's kind of already like got the physique. So, that he's he's kind of getting there, and the work across the board here was smooth. Considering these things can be very clusterfucky, um, and this one didn't feel it seemed to work really smooth with kind of Haskins as the base on which to build everything around. I thought as well for an introduction to people to Fight Club Pro because I, I I got the impression there were a lot of people there who probably hadn't even watched Fight Club Pro before. Yeah. They knew eyes were but I thought this was a great introduction for people who had never seen me fight Top Row as well because they got to see the likes of Haskins the likes of Havoc where they're probably already going to know if they're fans of the British Indies generally but at the same time they got an introduction to maybe Brooks Maloney maybe even Nixon Newell um, mm. so I thought there was a real good variety uh, of different names of different talents from different backgrounds in their ideal opener yeah, I, yep. I think it really worked well and it ties into the next uh, day as well because, you know, a six-man match like this, I mean, it doesn't hugely matter who won the match, but Haskins having the world title match the next day, naturally, it's him who wins with his with his sharpshooter move, so I kind of like uh, them having that in, uh, included in the booking as well. Uh, following on from that then, uh, another match with a... Uh, just a, a lot of moves and, and quite the spectacle. Mark Andrews and Eddie Dennis uh, against Jack Evans and Angelico. I mean, this thing was... Pretty damn crazy, maybe a, a touch sloppier part. I think part of that was maybe uh, the fault of the ring uh, itself. I think Jack Evans uh, struggled a couple of times, as did Angelico uh, with the ropes. But overall, uh, a really, really uh, a, a dazzling match. And Andrews and Dennis coming out to the to the party hard song to 1,100 people uh, losing their minds was, was something I won't forget in a hurry. By the way, Andrew WK has now given Eddie Dennis permission. I saw yeah, that, yeah, on Twitter. Yeah. What am I? WK. Yeah. <laughs> From the time he walked into a Wimpy and my mate worked there at Rowland Service Station off the M27, <laughs> and took a picture with him to giving Eddie Dennis permission to use his song. Wow. Fair play. He's all right. Wrestling is a form of party. Who knew? Yes. <laughs> yes. What did you think of the match, Benno? I, like I say, I really enjoyed it. I think, uh, I mean, the thing that most people are going to remember are Angelico and Mark Andrews doing dives off the uh, opposite sides of, of, the, of the building. There was like a ledge, wasn't there, behind where we were standing um, that, that, that Evans came off. And yeah, overall, I enjoyed it. I just thought it was a little bit messy in parts, I would say, but I, I don't think it really mattered in front of a raucous crowd like that who were just... It didn't overstay its welcome. It sustained the energy of the crowd from the first match yeah. as well. Like, yeah. often... You might get a little drop in that second match. Think of the Rev Pro show we spoke about. Mm. After the opener, CCK, Martin Stone, Sammy Callahan, there was a little drop off in the energy of the crowd for the Jay White and, um, and, and Helico. And Helico match. Whereas here, they really managed to sustain that energy. They really kept it up. 
It was a nice short match. It didn't it didn't overstay its welcome. I, I thought it was really good fun, personally. I was, mm. I was just really happy to get to see Jack Evans live again. I mean, I've been a fan of him since 2003, was it, when he first came into Ring of Honor? And look at him in 2017. Who'd have thought? 2017. Jack Evans, A, won't have killed himself from a daft... Uh, spot and b is actually you know still really really good and still one of the the premier flyers in the world for my money he how loves old, a cigarette how, as well doesn't he yeah. <laughs> how old is he now um jack evans i'm not too sure i don't know i really don't i mean I, i'm guessing he maybe started young but yeah i mean you mentioned the cigarette jp i mean i was gonna touch on it as we yeah. go through today i mean i was at the uh the manchester show the day after this um and he worked pretty much his entire match on that show with a with a cigarette in his mouth um, and a Liverpool hat on the show was in Manchester, so he was very much doing the uh, the Zach Gibson heel gimmick, which was which was really good. Um, so he was giving some uh, some good character work there as well. But yeah, I think uh, Evans and Angelico seem to be all over the country uh, in the last couple of weeks, and yeah, it's, it's really good to to see them over and uh, see them getting a response like they did in this match. Wasn't this a bit of a reunion for you and Jack Evans as well? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, met him years and years ago as a an idiot eighteen year old. I went to a WrestleMania, got lost in Chicago uh, after a fan meet and greet, and he kind of saw me wandering around outside and offered me a lift and got me to to the venue, which was a good hour away. Uh, so really, that's it. I mentioned it to him at a sort after the show. He definitely didn't have a clue who I was, but I just thought I just want to just want to say thank you for. I know you won't remember, but years ago, otherwise I would have. I'd probably still be in Chicago now, wandering the streets, uh, <laughs> quite lost. But yeah, that aside, anyway, yeah, as far as the, the the show itself goes, that was another good match, and I thought the the third match, uh, Callahan Strickland and Leo Rush. I mean, Joe, you mentioned about momentum. I think this carried on that fast paced. Oh momentum and kind of uh, it upped the ante didn't it from the first two matches yeah a lot of people have been speaking about this one as their match of the weekend as well and it's not mine personally but I could see why people would uh, give this a shout for that mm-hmm. I, I thought as far as triple threat match, matches go I'm not a massive fan of triple threat matches this is one of the better triple threat matches I think I've seen in a while um, I thought the mix of personalities the mix of sizes and styles complimented this match massively uh, um, I've never been a massive Sammy Callahan fan, but I thought he was great in this one. Mm. Again, his intensity and the way he kept the intensity up throughout the whole match, the pace of it never kind of like sort of lessened or fell at any point in time. It didn't feel like it was two guys, one out of the ring, two guys, one out of the ring. It felt like they were working around, like the three of them being in the ring at the same time a lot of the time. Really good fun. Really, like the guys in this really gelled. I don't know how much they've worked together before, but it seemed like there was real chemistry between each of them as well. They really sort of complemented each other. Mm. And for an, an import on import on import match <laughs> in a British indie as well, mm. uh, it didn't feel it didn't feel like it kind of stood out as an import match. It felt kind of natural on this card. It felt right. It felt kind of comfortable on this card. Yeah. It was like they, they get what fight what they're trying to do on Fight Club, fight club Press. I suppose Sammy Callahan has yeah. appeared like a pro quite a few times before, hasn't he? He's been around pretty much from the start, I think. I saw a tweet he was saying about going to those uh, 100 people shows and seeing where Fight Club Pro is now. Yeah, I thought he was really good in the match. I thought this was one where, you know, we talked about Leo Rush replacing Ricochet across the weekend. Um, this was a match where it was only after the show. I was like, oh yeah, Ricochet was supposed to be uh, around for this show, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, Leo Rush was great. He was, uh, he was pretty much probably the most popular man in the match, I, I would probably say. Um, it would have been a nice spot for him to maybe get a, a sneaky little win, but who knows what the, the, the future holds for Leo Rush and maybe he will be coming back to, to Fight Club Pro at some point, but yeah. Ca- 
make the most of this opportunity, that's mm. for sure. Yeah. A huge opportunity for him to step in a ricochet shoes for the weekend as well. And he didn't look out of place in anything he did the entire weekend. And he's only going to get better. Yeah. I mean, given his age and given, what, is he two and a half years he's been wrestling? Yeah. I mean, he is one of those kind of crazily good phenoms that you do see around the place. Absolutely. So, yeah. For sure. Uh, following up on that then, uh, we moved into maybe a more uh, story-based match uh, that we've had. I mean, obviously the first three, I mean, I said live at the time, you know, when you're in a live atmosphere like that, sometimes, uh, you know, you get carried away, have a few two beers like me and you, JP, where Joe was driving, weren't you, Joe? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and you kind of like, those first three matches being very spot-heavy, it's almost like sometimes they, they maybe blend into each other a little bit. You're having a great time, but you're not really taking in the substance of, you know, what's happening in the match, whereas... Banks and Osprey really, I thought, slowed the pace down just a just a point, um, and really told a, a great story with this. You know, Banks is a defensive of the Fight Club Pro title. He's a he's a fighting champion, uh, Travis Banks. He seems to be maybe in the mold of a of a Bret Hart, touring round, defended against all comers. And I thought this was a really good uh, continuation of of his uh, Fight Club Pro uh, championship run. Yeah, most definitely. I think these two have wanted to work together for a while as well. Um, speaking of Travis Banks about the match, I asked him if he'd ever faced Osprey beforehand. He said, no, this is going to be the first time. I was chatting to him the night before at your call. Mm. Um, and you could tell they, they were enjoying working together. You could, you could sort of tell that they've really thought about the match beforehand. They planned out certain spots in the match that weren't nicely in it. There were moments of Osprey's back again, which worked into the match quite nicely. But I think as well, again, this shows how much Osprey has matured as a worker as well. He's willing now to slow down when he needs to. He's willing to sort of get the crowd on side without necessarily having to do crazy flips to get the crowd mm. on side. The, like, I was really into the story within this match, and I thought it made both men look great, but made Banks look especially great. Like I know Fight Club Pro had this big story with him sort of losing all of his matches at the beginning, winning that tournament, beating Pete Dunne in that great overbook match for the title, finally. And this, this I thought, was a great first defence against someone, someone like Will Ospreay, you could argue, mm. is the best guy from the UK right now, in my opinion, he certainly is. And I thought both men's stars really complimented one another's as well. There was that nice mix of Travis Banks strikes with mm. Will Ospreay, sort of, you could almost say, more patient approach in this match yeah. as well. But at times he knew that he had to resort to throwing in <clears throat> sort of certain high-flying moves to take that match to the next level and to use that to his strength, which I thought worked really well within this match. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I, I loved the, um, in terms of the finish, <laughs> the finishing sequence as well. Um, was it the, the os cutter into the, um, STF? Yeah, the crossface. The crossface. Um, it, again, Banks just seems to be like a really great base for someone to work around. And yeah. it's good. I, I like seeing Will Ospreay working this kind of, Slightly. He was essentially a heel, wasn't he? I mean, I'm noticing that a lot yep. about Osprey and crowds. I mean, I don't know whether there's a, a backlash maybe to his success or what it is. I suppose he's working heel in progress and in what culture. Uh, maybe there's some bleed over to there. But he, quite a lot of the time these days, he seems to be getting a heel response. Or, or would you maybe just put that down to maybe just Travis Banks' popularity? I mean, he is Mr. Fight Club Pro after all. And he's new at a re- he's new, he's the guy coming up True. as well. Think about Osprey when he was the guy coming up. Yeah. I'm sure this had happened to Travis Banks at some point as well. It seems sort of natural almost for this sort of turn to occur. It's like you know you've made it. 
Yeah. When when when, yeah, when yeah, the yeah. when the crowd are kind of like, oh, I'm bored of you being really good. So <laughs> it's it's it, it, if if that's the response he's getting, and I also think as well, you you've hit the nail on the head there, Benno, with um with Travis Banks being being the Fight Club pro guy, because the reaction for his the title win was really emotional, and as you know, for for me, the first time having gone to the fiction, you can like I really can see where this is coming from. It's like it almost like it works entirely and he didn't lose anything from not being in that intimate venue into that into a much bigger venue and the, the crowd loved it the crowd were completely there as well and so it was like you know we'd had by that point four great matches in a row yeah and it was different from the first three and that they weren't very sprinty what was interesting as well is you could see the wrestlers up above on the balcony watching the show <laughs> when, when I was looking up it seemed like there were more wrestlers watching this match than there were any other match throughout the whole night aside from the obvious which was the main event yeah and I think that speaks volumes that they're there to see these two guys and they're anticipating seeing these two guys wrestle each other as well so it just never happened before and it sort of shows you the reputation that both of these guys have amongst their fellow pros as well now. Mm. yeah well one thing I would say I mean you touched on it then I mean that was if this almost felt like the main event of, of the first half. And I think most people that are alive seem to expect there to be an intermission coming up now. But instead, yeah. Jim and Lee yeah. Hunter came out and had the match with Marty Skrull and Zack Sabre. And I think at this point, after the, the big you know sprint matches and that being a big world title match, I think the you know, the crowd did need a, need a rest. I think the people around me had, had, had yeah. walked off already. Expect I was a little bit further back from you guys in the end, just with it being a, a packed venue and I, being stood behind the, uh, the tallest man in the world who was uh, stood at the front by you guys as well oh, but it yeah. was kind of like i think the crowd was just exhausted at this point and i, I don't i think it may be uh, this next match jim and lee hunter against marty and zach the leaders kind of suffered from that didn't it yeah most definitely i think yeah there should have been an intermission at this point because i think they planned to have an intermission before the main event didn't they mm. originally and they called an audible and had an intermission after this match because i think they realized oh, yeah it actually was crowd needs a break at this point yeah um bit of a shame uh thought the match in itself was fine it was marty's promo at the beginning which i rather enjoyed i certainly liked his line about the fucking 10 charts after the moose chance eh, Joe? 10 lol what what humor is there to derive from a number here's a number joe also likes chanting wrestling if he sees (laughs) Oh, don't. Like, chanting... One fall? Wow. Chanting wrestling when two people are wrestling grappling on the ground. Like, just fuck off. Like, if you're chanting it that bad, like, don't bother going. Like, when people are doing high spots, why aren't you shouting high spa or table spa? Like, if you want to channel and commentate to the whole crowd and get yourself over and be a twat, carry on. Hey, but you, oh, hey JP, how happy are you that we've turned into the baby faces of the podcast and Joe is oh, going to be... Joe's top oh. heel. He's, he's proper. This he's, is what four hours of sleep. <laughs> he's no tweener here, is he? He's Loving it. <laughs> Say what you feel, Joe. I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, as a match, fine. Hunters obviously are Midlands regulars and have yeah. been on the Midlands scene for years. Uh, what I did find interesting was just before the match, uh, Lee Hunter was uh, adjusting the ring <laughs> with Chris Brooks. I saw him adjusting some of the turnbuckles. Oh, wow. And then he's actually arrested. I was like, oh, okay, it's interesting. Um, found that kind of funny. But, yeah, you kind of knew this was going to happen. It was almost like a night off for Marty and Zach yeah. in a way. I did like that Marty didn't 
completely bury the hunters in his proverb. He did say, we know that you're good, which kind of meant that, okay, yeah, they know that they're a threat in some way, yeah. but we have a name. You guys don't necessarily have that name value. Um, so the hunters didn't come off looking like complete mugs during this. They could do with coming out in the Brothers of Construction, couldn't they? I, I think if they do that Brothers of Construction everywhere they go, they'll be a lot more over. I yeah. really do. Because the, look, the, work, the work is good. They're both good in ring, but the look is just... I don't know. No. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very much Southern Wrestling circa 1979. <laughs> they'll be, be working Ricky and Robert on a quiet night in Alabama. I could see him in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Yeah, yeah. that's true. 1993, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, Fight Club Pro definitely uh, see a lot in them. I think Attack, I like that they're in Attack, they're in the heel stable now, aren't they? They're in the anti-fun police over there. I think that'll be really interesting. And I think, yeah, yeah I think it, it kind of shows here that you could have seen uh, the leaders moving forward in the tournament, uh, but instead, you know, giving the Hunters the win by a, it was roll up, wasn't it, when, uh, when Zach was getting a little bit too coffee, uh, cocky, sorry, was uh, was a really good uh, move to uh, to put the Hunters through in. Definitely something that was a somewhat of a surprise, but like we said, it was the, it was just I think the crowd was a bit tired, and this was was the point in the show as you just touched on JP, where we had essentially the longest intermission I think I've ever been a part of. Uh, oh. Maybe Lucha Forever uh, earlier aside, it, it was already gone ten, wasn't it? I think we had it like an hour intermission at this point. It was just getting absolutely. I think the story of this weekend was Brit Red shows. I mean, one, can you please start on time? And as we talked oh. about before, I mean. The, um, Stu from the Indie Corner, your head honcho, he, he'd come uh, yeah. for this show. He ended up leaving before the main event. Uh, a couple of my friends ended up leaving as well, just because it went so late. Um, I don't it know what really happened there. Do you know what the story was? I mean, what I couldn't quite hear it. Yeah. Matt Richards, the ring announcer, when he came back and apologised, was it technical issues or it was um, all a bit strange? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? I mean, because we kind of, as well, Joe had that sobriety for you had managed to hold on to a really good position all night right next to the tall guy anyone and <laughs> it was like this is really like please let's go <laughs> you know let's, let's have the match I mean they were well worth the wait yeah well they came back with what will essentially I think be the main event for at least the VOD and obviously the main event's going to have some uh, some problems with the uh, the wrestlers appearing on Vimeo. But uh, Penta L Zero Miedo L Zero M, not quite sure how you say. Pentagon and Phoenix yeah. uh, in a battle of the brothers uh, we had here, which I, I I really I like the 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 idea that these two guys who everyone knows are brothers are stood at the merch table together selling the t-shirts uh, together but then yeah. when it comes to then later in the show they're having a match and it's like the, the sworn enemies who are out there to uh to, to somehow kill each other with a pack package pile driver um or a canadian destroyer at some point i mean maybe that takes you out of it a little bit but they really delivered here didn't they the uh the guy i mean that both uh have benefited greatly from lucha underground giving them uh more of a profile and Obviously, yeah. they're now getting bookings like this on the strength of it. And it was funny how, how over both men were coming out here and when I was at the Manchester show the next night, considering Lucha Underground technically isn't even available in this country at this point. It's it's incredible. It kind of felt like what it must have been to watch Psychosis and Rey Mysterio and ECW in, like, 95, once they'd lost um, Guerrero, Malenko and Benoit. Just... It felt like it was it was Lucha, and I, I'll watch some AAA and some CMLL. I know, Joe, you're not necessarily... I, the, I'm not huge on it. ...the biggest fan of it. 
but this kind of this worked and also I think as well in the back of my mind I was thinking back to the um, to the What Culture show which had um, Drago and Brother Del Rio and yeah Del Rio's brother I can't remember his name right now Um, El Hijo Del uh, something or other Dos Dos Caras yeah that's him awful I mean (laughs) one of the worst matches I've seen live it really was Um, it was like watching one of my dad mates under a lucha mask have a match (laughs) it was terrible but in this one it absolutely did it I mean for me it kind of over delivered I wasn't expecting the earth of this Mm. and it and it really did it kind of went absolutely hell forever I mean I'm going to say Pentagon Junior sue me Triple A Pentagon Junior is a star yeah, I mean, he's got real presence to him. Did either of you see, um, sorry, I just want to change the subject a bit, but I should ask. Did either of you see Pentagon's match with, uh, Zach Sabre Jr. at the Red Pro show in Orlando? Yeah, it was one of my favourite, uh, again, we talked earlier about Zach and his mean streak yes. workers and a heel. That was a perfect example of it, and Pentagon was a great opponent for him. I feel like that's been hugely underrated coming out of WrestleMania weekend. I thought that was one of the mm. best matches of that entire weekend. And there was some absolutely great stuff in there, really intense. Like, like I was saying about Zach being able to change his style up and employ that more intense kind of um, <clears throat> sprint style. Like, there, it was absolutely brilliant. Sorry, I've completely changed the subject there. But, uh, <laughs> but there's also a couple of interesting things that have come out very recently politically about um, Pentagon Jr., in the sense that there might be possibility of working more in Britain, given the arrangement that Impact has and the ITV, along with AAA, and it might be a way of him working with working as Pentagon Junior. I was I was reading something about this recently. So, so a slightly strange scenario. So, so he can do Lucha Underground and TNA. Yes, because of the connection with AAA. It's, but didn't they previously like make sure that a referee was like yep. hanged out? Yeah, <laughs> this is this is what happens when you deal with this Mexican. Is, this is the complicated. It's not. It's not just Mexican wrestling. I think it's the complicated world of uh, of pro wrestling in 2017, isn't it? You need a you need a graph and a, and a bar chart and a, and a spreadsheet to kind of work out who can actually work where and who can do what. I know TNA. Uh, I've got a relationship with the crash as well, where Penta and, and Phoenix work. But like I said, like you said there, JP, if, if there's any way that they're, they're able to work more in this country, then uh, who cares who it's through as long as we uh, we get to see more of them. Yeah. Indeed. Um, so moving on then. So that was, a again, really good match. I think uh, most people watching the VOD, you're going to find that's the, the main event. Uh, there was a couple of the run-in to the finish I really enjoyed. Uh, Pentagon using that package pile driver on the apron. He did that in the Zack Sabre match as well, didn't he? Which is just... it kind of taking that spot to the nth degree, isn't it? My brother was having a word with Zack at the York Hall show, and he said that he was kind of shitting himself <laughs> when <laughs> that spot was proposed earlier because he never taken a spot like that on the apron before. Um, but <laughs> I, I, one issue... I, I really enjoyed the Pentagon Phoenix match. One issue I did have was kick-outs out of moves yeah. that I should be... Reverse runners and... Kicked out of. There's not a lot... Variations of Canadian destroyers. Yeah, yeah. Being overused hugely, I think. Um, um, Petey Williams will be going absolutely mental. <laughs> this match. Um, I, I, I do think that maybe there are certain moves that, say, a package power driver on the apron... And does then kind of need, a running package power driver as well. 
Yeah. Oh. At least that was the finish, though. At least that was the finish. I mean, uh, Joe, were you, were you throwing money in the ring? I read that in the Observer that that was happening. Yeah. I didn't spot it on the night. I don't know if JP, you were reaching for change. I, I know he did. He was throwing, he pulled out about twenty quid and chucked it into the ring. Oh <laughs> wow! He was, he was so he was so happy. <laughs> that was that was yeah. quite. <laughs> kind of ties into, I mean, in, in the maybe that's where the idea came. But the next night in Manchester, um, Jimmy Havoc and uh, and Clint Margera uh, was stapling money to the heads of the the Hunter brothers. Um, they were asking for fans for twenty pounds at a time, and you bet once they'd stapled it onto the heads, they were taking those twenty pounds to the bar after the show. Nice little gimmick there if you can get it. Good work uh, if it's available to you. But yeah, fair enough though. Penta and, and Phoenix, they definitely left it all out in the ring, and it was a very very Mexican style match in that. It was just, it was lots and lots of, of big moves and the up the ante and the up the ante. And again, you wrestle for your crowd, don't you? And I think the, the 1,100 people here really enjoyed it. And I suppose you might say a match like that with, with that amount of excess, what could possibly follow it? Well, we found out. Uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks uh, coming out to face Pete Dunne, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate. It was New Japan against WWE UK and like I said before it's a real shame that this is not going to be uh, showing up anywhere on, on Vimeo or or elsewhere unless there, there was a sneaky periscope somewhere I don't know if you had your uh, your camera phone out there JP at any point but <laughs> bit of a bit of a shame but a really good match oh absolutely again I suppose th- there was a it felt that this was the most sort of star-laden yeah, match that the, that the Elite did over the weekend. It felt like a huge match. It did feel, it felt like a, like a kind of really, like a main, a real main event match. I mean, if they could have got somewhere bigger, they would have sold some more tickets for it. Would, I mean, it was, it's, it was incredible. What was interesting this time round, as opposed to the Red Pro match, is the dynamic was, is that the Elite were fundamentally heels. Against the, the kind of local stars, which is incredibly disrespectful to British strong style, but in the sense that they are from the Midlands and they are stars. Um, lots of, of kind of some of the, of the same stop stuff from the Rev Pro show, but it felt just a bit more, it felt a bit more elongated and a bit more even. Yeah. This match as well. I think what's really interesting about this year as well in wrestling is with the current sort of like wrestle wars and contract wars going on, mm. uh, it, it's made for a lot of unique matchups if they can happen. And this, I think, was the prime example of that. The picture of them at the end of the, uh, at the end of the match where the six guys posing in the ring together, I thought sort of perfectly encapsulated wrestling in 2017. You've got New Japan, Versus WWE, in a sense, taking place in the UK. Taking place in the UK, which is the hottest, in my opinion, the hot, has the hottest wrestling scene in the entire world right now. Yeah. And you've got these New Japan guys, these WWE guys, having this match in Wolverhampton. It was just weird. It's like you had the three elements of New Japan, which you could argue is the hottest promotion in the world. You've got the WWE, which seems to be going for a kind of weird transitional phase with introducing like the UK stuff and, sort of NXT, and then you've got the British scene, which is kind of the base for lots of people going to WWE, mm-hmm. uh, and is creating, like, the biggest indie stars around at the moment, and you've got this match taking place here. I thought that picture at the end was just great. Really lovely yeah. just seeing the six guys posing together like that. Yeah, I think it was and really plus, 
Sorry, sorry, Bernard. No, I was just going to say, I mean, along those lines of the photos, I think anybody who was there live, I saw um, on the meet and greet, you could get a photo with all six men. Uh, I think anyone who reached in the pocket and spent the money on that will uh, will be glad they did because you're not going to uh, get that opportunity again. Uh, I did laugh, though, and at some a point in the match, it was Matt Jackson, wasn't it, that grabbed the microphone um, and said that uh, the Elite had made more ma- money on merch that weekend than the WWE UK's trios, WWE downsides, which yes. uh, it was just, it, it, it was so true, it hurt. Uh, that's probably the one downside of uh, the downside of taking the WWE UK contracts is, uh, yeah, there, there's not exactly a, a whole lot of money there, but I'm sure uh, those three guys uh, don't re- regret it in any way. What's amazing as well is Trent Seven a year ago, if you'd said Trent Seven would have been in a dr- like, I, I've always liked Trent Seven. But if you'd have told me he'd be in this like huge dream match scenario mm. a year on from April last year, I'd have been like, oh, come on, no, he won't. But it's amazing how much his star has risen this year as well, and how much he's invested in himself to get himself to this level as well. I thought it was a real sort of testament to, mm. and not just Trent Seven, to Pete Dunne and Tyler Bay. Tyler Bay at 20 years old as well. Like, what is He's like, so smooth. Oh, unbelievable. When he did the, the dive outside for the for the double indie taker, mm. the outside that they did. Yeah. And the work, the different type of work that Tyler Bay can do already by, and he is just turned 20, I believe. Yeah. Is that right? I mean, who are, I'm trying to think of other guys who were this good at the age of 20. There's lots of good guys who are really young. I mean, it's, we say about Leo Rush and, and Dan Maloney, but they're not at that level where they feel like a star yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. He's got an order about him. He knows he does. how to hold himself. He's got presence. And he can grow a beard at 20, which is kind of more <laughs> than I could do. Mate, I'm 32 and I still can't. <laughs> I think it's like an over Femi Martin's Yakubu type situation here where he's definitely older than 20 and he's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that's it I mean he was just really he was great in the match and you know that airplane spin giant swing uh, combination that he was doing to Kenny Omega on one of the books just just demonstrating how just ridiculous uh, the strength he's got at that age and I just thought it was a, it was it was the match. I mean, obviously, people listening uh, who didn't get to the show aren't going to get to see, but it was very much like the Rev Pro match and like the OTT match, which I believe is on Flow Slam, although the full uh, show isn't on there yet. Um, it was the Bucks and Omega doing a lot of comedy, but then also lots of just really creative spots. They had Kenny Omega at one point, didn't he, kicking out of all of uh, British Strong Styles finishes. Um, until it took a quite, I think it was super quick from the box. I don't think anyone was keeping count on this night, uh, to Pete Dunne allowing, uh, Omega to hit the one winged angel for the win, which was quite interesting. I thought politically going in, imagine if after this amazing show and this party atmosphere where it's building and building and building, if they had to do a fuck finish, do a double DQ or something. Yeah. Uh, I was glad that, uh, the politics didn't get in the way, um, of getting a clean finish here. But I mean, to say it was worthy of the hype would, uh, would be saying the least, wouldn't it? Oh, no, most definitely. And for these guys as well, six guys here who are six stars, and the lack of ego that took over this match is yes. a testament to like, how kind of grounded these guys are. Like, I've spoke to Pete Dunn, Trent Seven, and Tyler Bay in person before. They're, they're willing to chat with you. They're just basically like sound guys. And there wasn't an ego that kind of 
got in the way at this match and took yeah. over this match and dominated this match. And I think that's kind of testament to how 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 good British well how good wrestling kind of is at the moment mm. because if we kind of moved on from the era of the ego and that, oh, I'm going off on a tangent here you throw a Triple H in here or someone yeah. and I know obviously they were channeling Triple Ooh. H throughout this match but you don't have that one personality who has to kind of protect himself and Everyone looked strong in this match as well. I mean, Pete Dunne's not going to lose anything from losing the fall. In this day and age, because of how kind of aware we are of what wrestling is, mm-hmm. we're here praising Pete Dunne for being able to take that fall. He's going to gain something from that, from taking that fall, yeah. rather than lose something from that, which and, is great. And I think it's, it, it says something about the, 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 the Bucks and Kenny Omega that, at the same time, they could be dickish about this they really they, they could be to a certain degree and what they want to do is put on really great fun entertaining matches and yeah quite rightly not kill themselves in the process of it but that's not what we're there we're not there to see them kill themselves but they're not half-arsing it at the same time it's a really thin line where sometimes i think that you know sometimes i think oh well, they're, they're they're you know they're sort of they're on a relentless hustle and they're making their money and i kind of I'm of the attitude of, of thinking, do you know what? They work their asses off and they deliver on what they say they're going to offer people. They found a great middle ground where they can mm. make a ton of money while doing their match kind of on their terms while being generous to the other guys in the match and giving the other guys in the match something, realising that you've got some local stars here, while at the same time giving the audience enough of what they do while not going completely sort of PWG sort of over the top like the like the Bucks often do in PWG. There was the right amount that the audience wanted on each night, I think, from these guys to satisfy them. And they knew that going in their personalities alone, considering the ticket sales, were going to be enough. But they didn't half-arse it, which is a testament again to those guys and just sort of how professional they are in a way as well. You could like the Bucks get a lot of criticism for not being professional, for breaking cape and the rest of it. But they're professional in their way, on their terms. And that's mm. what I kind of love about them as a tag team. They make wrestling fun. They do. And they make it different as yeah. well. And they've kind of, you know, this, which I spoke earlier about this ironic aspect of wrestling. You could argue they've innovated there. And at times, yeah, maybe it doesn't work. I don't think it worked for the Callahan Ospro match you spoke about earlier. But here and in the OTT match and the Rev Pro match, it works. And there's a reality and an irony to everything that they do, mm. which is great. And it gives everything they do something different. Absolutely. I mean, I would say this was, uh, as much as we were talking Fight Club Pro today, it was, it was a, it was a weekend of the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega coming over. I mean, I think next year Fight Club Pro, I'm sure they'll do the, the Dream Tag Team Invitational again. But to be honest, I mean, it almost felt like the Dream Tag Team Invitational was more of an excuse to, to have, you know, just a, a marquee show on yeah. the weekend than it was less, at least on this show, it was less about the tournament itself and more about, like I say, them having uh, Kenny Omega and, and the Bucks over. But yeah, I, I think if they can d- continue delivering shows like this, I think we'll all be there uh, next year for the, for another Dream Tag Team Invitational. And I think hopefully, uh, like like you said, JP, they, they filled 1,100 here with the Bucks and Kenny Omega. I believe OTT hit about 2,000. Uh, you wonder what the ceiling was. Yeah, there you go. So you wonder what the ceiling is um, with a show like this. But, yeah, I think the, the scene over here has never been hotter. And uh, uh, you have to imagine at uh, £20 for the cheapest ticket, Fight Club Pro have made a, you know, a healthy profit or at the very, very least have, uh, have broke even over this weekend. So all in all, a huge success. They've earned the right to earn a good few quid out of this. Would have benefited 
the companies, the the Bucks and Omega, the guys you've got to face, the Bucks and Omega as well. There's no loser <laughs> coming out yeah. of this, really, let's be honest. I think the, the only thing I would say, just, I mean, to caution going forward, we talked earlier about progress and how, you know, maybe we're, as big progress fans, we're getting a little bit uncomfortable with the WWE uh, influence, but it will be interesting to see what Fight Club Pro do if they do lose Trent Seven, Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate permanently. Uh, to a WWE UK uh, thing, whether it's a TV show or on the network, you know, if Dan Maloney follows them out the door, there's always people to back them up, though, isn't there? There's a there's a relatively deep roster. There's lots of talents around the country. We've talked a lot about the likes of uh, of Chris Brooks uh, earlier in the show, and he's the type of person who you'd imagine would uh, would step up. So. You know, it, it, there's positives and negatives to this WWE UK thing, isn't it? And I think you, you can't really underplay the uh, the influence it's had on, on this weekend and on the you know renewed focus on Fight Club Pro. How did this show, Benno, compare with the Manchester show? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say the Manchester show was there the next night. Obviously, it was like you two guys, so it wasn't the same. Uh, but it was a fun show. I mean, that was that was what was I thought was really interesting. Manchester the next night. It didn't have the Young Bucks, it didn't have Kenny Omega, but I think the buzz uh, that those, you know, those names being uh, associated with Fight Club Pro kind of carried over to the Manchester show, even though they weren't going to be there. I mean, I went to uh, the last Fight Club Pro Manchester show, and it's in the, it's a, you'd love it, JP, it's in the Manchester Met University, it's a student union, which means pints are £2.40, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, it's great as well, the bar's right there, the ring's in a perfect place, it's a really nice little venue for wrestling. But the first time I went there to see Fight Club Pro, uh, about six months or so ago, uh, I would say the attendance was 200 maximum. It was probably closer to 100. There was plenty of empty space. Whereas here, you know, the night after the Elite and the Young Bucks have been in town, the buzz kind of carried over and they did, I would probably say a capacity crowd in the range of about 500, um, for the Manchester Met Uni. And yeah, it was a really good show. Um, it, Again, I mentioned earlier about uh, Clint Margera and Jimmy Havoc stapling uh, punters' money uh, to the heads of the Hunter brothers. That was an interesting opening, although it was a little bit strange uh, uh, that early in the show, um, all these deathmatch antics. I think the crowd didn't really know what to make of it, um, that just being thrown out there cold as, a, as an unannounced match. So that was quite interesting. I mentioned Zack Sabre and Angelico had a, had a re- real good technical match where, again, it was quite a, a quiet crowd for that match, but a good match nonetheless. It was just a good show up and down the card, really. I think the main thing people will take away from it, if anybody did go, or if you do happen to catch the VOD, would probably be the second half of the show. Um, there was a really, really good uh, Jack Evans and uh, Shane Strickland match. A match that, you know, you, you hear that, you hear Jack Evans and Shane Strickland, and that sounds like a good match on paper already, doesn't it? Uh, but Jack Evans, as I mentioned earlier, doing, he grabbed the microphone straight from the, before the match could start, and was cutting one of the better promos I've ever seen him cut, um, leading into singing You'll Never Walk Alone, uh, as we were in Manchester, and he was claiming to oh. be a Liverpool supporter. He was getting more heat than Gibbo gets, it was, uh, <laughs> it was oh. quite the sight, and there was a dance-off of that match, and it turned into a really good you know, spectacular home stretch for that match as well. Um, that was really awesome. Um, yeah, all in all, it was just a, a really entertaining show and it, it had the main event of, I did wonder going to the show with, uh, with Omega and the books not being on it, what would be the main event? Uh, and the main event was, uh, again, further to the uh, Dream Tag Team Invitational, uh, Penta L0M and Ray Phoenix against Pete Dunne and Sammy Callahan, the Bruiser Cats and Again, Pentagon and Phoenix came out to an absolute star reception, and Dunn and Callahan were good fun. They were—I don't know if you've seen them do that Lucha Cat gimmick. It originated in PWG, didn't it, JP? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah it's, it, it's, and they're bloody good fun at it. Well, I mean, it, it, it has its place. And I imagine, I mean, how did it work in terms of the, the dynamic with the Lucha Brothers? It worked. I mean, I think, again, it being the main event and some people, I, I can't, I've wrote a review for the Indie Corner so people can check that out for that particular Manchester show. Um, but I, I would say that if you, if excess is not your thing and some of the matches we've talked about so, uh, on this show have sounded absolutely horrible for you, you would not enjoy this whatsoever. It was all of the moves. It was all of the Canadian destroyers. It was all of the package pile drivers. It was one of those kinds of matches. But I mean, for me, it was the, it was the last show I was getting to that weekend. And once you've seen so many of those moves, you kind of think, well, how can you possibly up the ante? And they, they certainly tried. Uh, it was really, really entertaining and a really good match. But it just continued on. Just a, an amazing weekend that the Fight Club Pro had. Uh, I don't think the shows are on Vimeo yet, Ollie. I think they're, uh, they're probably, uh, I'm hoping they're going to drop in the next week's show also uh, obviously uh, not including that WWE UK match I mean spoilers ahead the, the London show which none of us have, have managed to catch the uh, the night three of the of the tournament uh, they put CCK over uh, the original incarnation uh, not the one with Travis Banks um, they won the tournament as a whole and what I what sounds like a really another really good match with it with Penta and Phoenix what do you think about that about them putting CCK uh, to the forefront there I mean it it's certainly got to be their year hasn't it you could see them working in other places yeah great move I think they're making stars as well if uh, if the British strong star guys do end up uh, actually going over to NXT and WWE You've got two stars that you've kind of made right there. They've been slowly building yeah. them in Fight Club Pro as well. They've got some real heat with the crowd there. They're great fun. Their matches are always interesting as well. I think Chris Brooks really kind of upped his uh, kind of name value on the British Indies this year as well. I think what I think works great as well is the whole little and large thing. They work really well with each other, with the kind of size of Chris Brooks, the kind of high-flying nature yeah. of Lycos. They have signature spots that they work in really well based around size. Mm. Um, I think these guys are looking great this year. I've really enjoyed them so far. So you can argue they're the tag team of the year so far in the UK, I yeah. think. Um, I when they think came out of Ref Pro that time, out of the crowd to attack Team um, Bland. Brooks and Banks. Oh, sorry, I know it's Brooks and Banks, but it feels like, I mean, with Brooks, he kind of, he really feels like he, you said this earlier on, he deserves to be there. Yeah, there's um, a buzz on him, definitely. And there's, and then just between them, they've got some, I mean, and Kid Lyco should not be underestimated as no, well. I mean, see him a few times, I mean, whether it's kind of a little bit of comedy, he's, he's good at that. He's great as the, the small bump machine. He's great as the kind of, described as that fucking wolf I think <laughs> by a lot of people um, it's you know I'd I'd be happy to see this incarnation Chris Brooks and, and Kid Lycos in progress there'd be obviously a fascinating obvious dynamic with South Pacific Power Trip you wanted to get Team anything in there well if if he's if he's if he's not back into I mean yeah. there's, there's lots of I mean they fit in naturally in with everything and and within the kind of current landscape of it and i think that's maybe the one thing that maybe we've lacked in the uk is that really dynamic tag team yeah it, maybe to some extent to, i'm just trying to think of the ones who are kind of the long-term tag teams rather than two single stars together like leaders of the new school london riots london riots yeah and they fit really well into that kind of category i'd like to see a cck riots match that'd be 
Never thought you'd hear me say that, <laughs> did you? For sure. Well, I think that that kind of sums up uh, these shows from Fight Club Pro. Obviously, it's it's the elite, it's the young books that got a, a good chunk of the people through the door, but you'd like to hope that it is. It's the likes of, uh, of your CCK, of your, your Maloney's, and the, the other uh, Fight Club Pro uh, homegrown talent, and that you'd expect that hopefully people will be returning to the company and uh, and coming back for more shows at the Fiction Warehouse and going forward. So that pretty much uh, wraps us up uh, for a bit of a, a monster show there, going over uh, the Elite's invasion of the UK. Uh, before we go, uh, just to let everyone know, at theindycorner.com, if you check out the website, uh, there's a lot of new news up there, reviews, results, columns. I mentioned uh, my review of that in a bit more detail, that progress, sorry, progress, Fight Club Pro Manchester show uh, is up there at the moment, as well as a, a really good piece on uh, on ITV World of Sport uh, that I would recommend people check out too um where can people find uh, you two guys uh, on the internet uh, this week well i'm at jp jippy jp jip triple e i really have to change it i've tried <laughs> changing it something won't work for me and i don't know what it is i might be locked into that name for the rest of my life <laughs> and for me lensip uh but that's four p's so lensip yeah <laughs> fine work guys you can find me at Benson Richard E I've changed my uh, that daft Twitter handle uh, you can reach me there both on Twitter and Instagram so uh, that brings us to the end of the show thanks for listening uh, we'll catch you again next month next month we're going to be looking at progress uh, in a bit more detail we didn't really get a chance to talk about the company today obviously they've got the super strong style uh, tournament coming up something we're all very excited uh, to talk about and Joe and JP I know you're both uh, going to be there live so that should be a good show as well. So thanks everybody for checking us out and we'll catch you again next month. <laughs>